Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another week of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson and Michael Remus with you. Great to have you all along and hope you had an awesome weekend. Oh, was it glorious to get out of minus 30 for a couple days. I think everyone's spirit's a little bit better around here. Uh, as well as Jet fans, team picked up a win, salvaged a little something out of this road trip before coming back to start a homestand tomorrow against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, and quite a weekend it was, an absolute bottoming out on Friday against the Colorado Avalanche and a big third period comeback against the Arizona Coyotes to, uh, uh, you know, at least for a day or two, uh, calm people's nerves and uh, get a bit of good vibes around the hockey team heading into this homestand. Um, we've got a great show today. There's so much to get to from the weekend. Um, Remo and I will kick it around probably for the first half hour or so. And then Mike McIntyre is going to join us. He was at practice today. Some very, very good news for the Winnipeg Jets to see Nikolai Ehlers back on the ice today, albeit in a non-contact jersey. So um, we'll have lots to kick around with Mike. The two games on the weekend, uh, the interaction between his colleague Jeff Hamilton and Captain Blake Wheeler on Saturday. And, of course, a look ahead to uh, the Jets and Canadians' first visit since the playoffs last year. We all know what that means as well. Um, let me first give a big shout-out and thank you to all of our sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk daily happen each and every day. Our friends at Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club, Whiskey, Cool Bet Canada, and, of course, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, and our friends at Culligan Water. Let's get Michael Rivas in here and get things going. And a quick welcome to everybody who's joining us on YouTube right now. And of course, everyone listening to the podcast. Hope you all had a good weekend and took advantage of a, a little break in the weather to get outside and hopefully regain a little bit of your sanity. Remo, what's going on? How are you? I'm battling a major case of the Mondays, uh, Hustler. Um, I got a, apparently I was awoken at 6 a.m. today, a phone call from my wife. She leaves to work, goes to work very early. She got stuck in her back lane. I had to go out and help dig her out. And <laughs> oh, man. Uh, like 6, 15 a.m. And, uh, you know, I tried shoveling her out of the snowbank. Uh, we couldn't, couldn't do that. Thankfully, there was someone walking a dog around 6.30 and we pushed it out, pushed her Thankfully, car you got, thankfully you picked up the call. Well. I'll give everyone a, a tip on your, I was, you know, sleep with my phone on silent, but you can have favorites on iPhone. So she is a favorite on my phone and my phone knows that when a favorite calls me, no matter the settings on my phone, I will, it will ring. Oh, that is a key hack. That is to yes. avoid getting divorced. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that was my, and then I don't know, I'm like taking my kid to daycare and when I couldn't find my keys. And then there's a train, just a, a bad, bad start for me. Yeah, well, uh, I, I got to tell you, I've had a great start. I went to Sal's and had breakfast, mm -hmm. and I was thinking to myself, you know, if you're starting off a, a day, period, or a Monday, uh, and you have the opportunity to go in and get a Sal's breakfast in you, you're probably on your way to dominating whatever you have planned. Um, so let's see whether that comes to fruition, if we can dominate this show. Uh, I, I am looking forward to it, though. I mean, man, we've got so much to get to. I uh, think like every day since we've last been on, something's been happening. Friday's game, 
which again, I don't want to spend too much time on, but I think we certainly have to talk about it a little bit. Uh, and of course, yesterday's comeback win, huge third period by the Winnipeg Jets, getting a win and, um, you know, hopefully a little bit of positive momentum coming into a homestand, um, you know, with very, very fleeting playoff hopes still there for some. Um, it's going to take winning tomorrow, winning Friday against the Dallas Stars, and then, you know, maybe an upset or two against uh, the Rangers in Tampa. If um, if you want to keep the uh, the flickering light of hope going uh, into, uh, well, really the trade deadline in about three weeks uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. But um, there is so much to get to, Remo. Um, I'll say this. Friday night's game, um, and I think we've talked about this off air, it reminded me of, uh, you know, an old school wrestling squash match where the uh, the main eventer came out and sort of, you know, didn't do much early on, and the uh, the enhancement talent or jobber got a chance to get some offense early, and I think everyone was feeling pretty good. Wow, a three nothing lead! This is exactly what you needed in such a massive game. Uh, but unfortunately, the second two periods, the second and the third, were exactly what you would expect from a squash match. And unfortunately, the uh, the guys with the belt were the Colorado Avalanche, and um, the Barry Horowitz role in this was the Winnipeg Jets. I, I, I mean, I know there's been some worse losses this season. Um, you know, the Minnesota one was a real, really embarrassing game. The other time in Colorado, but just the way that that one unraveled on the Winnipeg Jets. Um, and, and you know, Josh Morrissey. You know, credit to him for doing the interview in between periods. I mean, I felt for him. He was absolutely shell shocked, as the entire team was, and. Um, you know, I think that led to what happened with the captain um, not having a lot of time for, in my opinion, some very fair questions on Saturday afternoon. Um, but the bottom line is that was absolutely embarrassing for the hockey club. And, um, you know, thank God they were able to pick themselves up off the mat in the third period and win that game yesterday. Um, but if there was any question as to where the Jets are right now, um, I think that test against the Colorado Avalanche pretty much told uh, you what you needed to know. and. You know, listen, I realize that the, the chances of the team making the playoffs are still very remote. And if they ever got into the mix where they were, they would have had to win so many games, it certainly would be exciting and sign me up for that. But I got to tell you, the reward of finishing in the second wildcard spot in the Western Conference and getting Colorado in a best of seven might be better off being avoided, to be perfectly honest with you. Because if it's anything like Friday night, that is going to be one miserable, very short series for whoever gets it. Yeah, and I was really fired up. I mean, I couldn't believe what I was watching in the first period on Friday. Um, the Jets team, they were playing, you know, they were going at Colorado. As Pierre-Luc Dubois said, they were dictating the play. They were playing fast. And I don't know what happened, but they kind of just sat back and let Colorado come to them. I think uh, Morrissey mentioned that was an issue uh, in the loss to Calgary. And, I mean, Colorado was so good. I mean, you watch McKinnon skate through the middle of the ice and the passing and everything. I mean, they got so many... So many shots. Um, I mean, I know I saw a lot of people saying that they bet Colorado down, down three nothing live bet. But um, I mean, it was a tale of. I mean, it's kind of is a symbol of the Jets season. I mean, sometimes they come out, they look great, they look like the the team you think that they are, that they should be, or the team we thought they were at the beginning of the season. And then for two periods, they got like embarrassed. They got dominated. You said it was like a jobber, like you know, Undertaker coming out doing. The choke slam, doing the tightrope <laughs> walk, doing finishing up with the tombstone with like pinning them with like one finger 
multiple tombstones. Yeah, with, with a finger. <laughs> it was it was horrible to watch. And forty minutes of finishing moves by yeah. the Avalanche on the <laughs> so on like, the helpless Winnipeg Jets. Like somehow, not only did I watch that game, I was like glued to the legal curve post game and the Kenny and Randy post game. So this horrible match or game took over like five hours at least of my Friday my Friday night because I couldn't believe it. But I think it led to a I mean. Like, the game went against Arizona. Like, I guess, like, who cares, right? You beat Arizona. They're the worst team in the league. Like, if you lost, it would be a bigger deal. Well, but, I care. I I, yeah. I mean, the I'll, thought of doing this show today, coming mm-hmm. off Friday, and then a loss to Arizona yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I yeah. mean, at least, hey, I'm looking forward to this homestand. I'm looking forward to yeah. the game tomorrow. A lot of intrigue going into this game against Montreal. But, uh... Mm-hmm. Listen, wins are better than losses. And I think certainly for the people that join us on a daily basis here, for the most part, are Jet fans. Um, you know, they, they deserved a little bit of good news or a reprieve yes. from what had happened over the course of the past week. Yeah. And, and what I will say this, that the I guess the one thing that was concerning about that loss is, you know, more and more you hear how the team uh, doesn't have an identity. You heard it from Dubois and Lowry, and that's kind of led to Jeff's questioning with Blake Wheeler on Saturday and after the Friday game, a lot of, oh, where's, where's the captain? You know, there's a big uh, kerfuffle on not speaking after, after the game. But, I mean, I mean, the players are salty and you should be after this disappointing season, but I guess things got kind of uh, heated there Saturday. Yeah, they did. And, I mean, we'll listen to that in, in just a second. Um, but, I mean, overall, I mean, I don't know what more we can say about that game um, other than... There was a lot of questions about, you know, listen, Pierre-Luc Dubois had had a real rough go of it. I mean, just one assist in six games, although he'd still, you know, certainly I think been one of the leaders as far as showing, you know, the effort, the uh, the drive, uh, the care, the the give an F meter, whatever you want to call about it. Um, and my God, Remus, his first period uh, on Friday against the Avalanche was um, I mean, he was the guy that was that was leading the way for uh, for the hockey club, and um, you know, he was directly involved in setting up the first two goals. And listen, I'll say this: I mean, I didn't know why Bolio was in the lineup. I didn't like the decision, to be honest, initially when Logan Stanley got taken out to put Bo in. He had a couple rough games, uh, but there he was blocking a shot in the first period. Ended up getting an, an assist and. Listen, Nate Boulieu certainly has his shortcomings, and I think I will still make the argument that if the Jets are going to put out their best defenseman, I don't think he's in the top six uh, unless a number of guys are out. Um, but you know what? He uh, he's showed a, a level of battle and, and, and just, I don't want to call it intensity, but, you know, just the effort. that Like, he's leaving it all out on the ice, and he certainly did it again yesterday, so... Um, you know what, if you're going to get the opportunity to go in, do it, do something and make a difference. And Bolio did over the course of the weekend. Um, and I do, and I guess this will sort of take us to the Zona game and we can spend a bit more time on that. Um, for anyone that was watching on television, Nate Bolio in that con- in that interview uh, between the second and third period where the Jets were down three to two, I, he sounded like a captain. I mean, he actually said everything that I think people are expecting to hear. Um, you know what? We know where we're at right now. This has to be the most desperate period of our season. And he said it a couple times. Um, and you know, to his credit, that's exactly what the team did. I thought Kyle Connor was phenomenal yesterday. Um, he could have easily had a couple of goals earlier on in the game, ended up scoring a couple. And, um, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois was, a, was an absolute beast. Um, and listen, we're going to get into the comments of the captain, uh, but the captain stepped up 
Um, you know, nine times out of 10, he's passing that to Mark Shifley on that two-on-one. Uh, it was a long two-on-one, had a lot of time. It certainly seemed like Arizona was expecting the pass, uh, and he'd make made no mistake. I mean, Blake Wheeler's far from a sniper, and he's certainly not a shoot-first player, uh, but he took advantage of that opportunity, and that was an absolutely huge, huge goal for the Winnipeg Jets to to get back to even terms, not be chasing the game the way they were. And I'll say this, uh, I was looking, Avco Cup tweeted out the XG numbers, the expected goals numbers over the course of the road trip. That game yesterday was a complete flip-flop to everything else. I mean, uh, they allowed way more, they had way more chances, and um, it, it was a hell of a fun game to watch that ended up going um, the way of the visitors when they needed it so bad. Yeah, I do want to give a shout-out to uh, Adam Lowry, who opened the scoring. We've talked about the Jets Big getting time. off to slow starts. But Adam Lowry, I think a couple weeks ago, uh, we were getting on him here saying he hasn't produced. And I was pointing out, you know, Trevor Trevor Lewis has more points than him, who the Jets uh, sent off to Calgary. But Adam Lowry's got six goals on the season now, three of them going back to um, even the last week or eight, the last eight days. That's half of his season total. So, you know, we haven't seen, you know, contributions from, you know, the bottom line. Two of those goals actually shorthanded. Um, so that was, um, you know, nice to see. And it was also, you know, both lines going Hustler yesterday, which is something that was talked about after the game Friday. But uh, Svechnikov banging one in in front. And nice to see him reunited with Dubois and Connor. Svech had a real good and, game. And it's been, I think it's been puzzling for many, you know, how you can go from a healthy scratch to looking pretty good on set, you know, on the second line or the, whatever line you want to call it with Connor. And Dubois, I mean, that's been kind of mystery the whole year. But then, as you said, Blake Wheeler, uh, you know, putting one in the back of the net on a on a rush there. So, you know, nice to see that. And Kyle Connor with two, one on the empty net, 32 goals on the year. That'll be fun to see how, you know, if they're out of the playoffs, how many goals can Connor score in a season? And I have some stuff to say about uh, him reaching the 30-goal plateau, which we can get to. Later. Yeah, just on Lowry, and I see a lot of comments. I mean, Phyllis Lowry's put the team on his shoulders. Uh, Jeff Kabilis, what I thought of Jeff. Uh, I'm glad Lowry's getting back to scoring. BA is well done, 17. Um, you know, Adam Lowry had been snake bit and, you know, hadn't been getting a ton of opportunities offensively, to be frank, over the course of the majority of the season. Uh, but right now, over the past week, he's been one of the best Winnipeg Jets and, um, you know, has been rewarded a little bit for uh, some of the. Uh, some of the chances that he's been getting. And, um, you know, it was certainly impactful yesterday and continues to be because, I mean, with all that talk about, oh, there's only one line scoring, it's either number one or number two. Um, you know, over this past couple of weeks, both I'll single out Adam Lowry and Dominic Toninato, um, that have, you know, turned into um, guys that, you know, are hopefully taking care of their business in their own end, but also creating some opportunities and actually lighting the lamp a few times. And, I mean, Toninato, I thought, was really good yesterday as well. I mean, Adam Brooks probably didn't sleep last night over that wide-open net that he missed on a perfect feed from Toninato. Uh, but, you know, they, they, there's been so much inconsistency in that bottom six, you know, from guys that, you know, are playing well one night. And Svechnikov has certainly been part of that. I mean, he's had some strong games. He's also had some no-shows. Uh, but, hey, he made the most of his opportunity to get back up into the top six. Um, glad to see him do that. You know, a lot of his underlying numbers are, are 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 quite good, especially when playing those guys up top. I mean, I certainly don't think that that you know he's driving, but he's certainly not holding them back. Con con contributed yesterday, um, and that's a very good thing going into uh, going into the, uh, the this homestand where they pretty much have to run the table if they want to get back into a big game tomorrow night against the Montreal Canadiens. 
All right, Remo, you know what? I'm just going to do a, a, a quick uh, plug for our sponsors. But if you want, get those clips ready from uh, from Saturday because we do want to talk about that. and It'll be a good kind of tee up to when we get into speaking with Mike McIntyre. Um, our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market uh, continue to be the go-to place in Winnipeg for your best selection of best prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. Of course, we're uh, finishing up Heart Month today. Um, and Vita Health is the spot for uh, you know, your best vitamin supplements and more uh, to help your heart and help your overall body health. Uh, not to mention, they've got some amazing groceries and delicious lunch options like Vita Market salads, soups, sandwiches, and more in their grab and go daily. And I can tell you, they are phenomenal. Um, you can go and find out more at myvita.ca. And if you'd like, you can shop online, schedule a delivery with in Instacart and uh, do it all online. Or you can pop down to any of the seven locations in Winnipeg, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. That's Vita Health Fresh Market. You can check them out online at myvita.ca. Uh, you know, March is March 1st is starting tomorrow. I'm going to I'm going to do a challenge. And see what I can do. I, I need a little bit more Culligan uh, in me. Um, better hydration, drinking lots of water, one way to help lose a few pounds. That's a short-term goal for yours, truly. And, of course, when we're talking about water services, um, the Culligan family, or the Stewart family over at Culligan Water, have been our go-to people in this community, Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba, for 65 years. They've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems and citywide water delivery services. And if you do have water needs for your business, of course, they've got commercial and industrial water products and solutions as well. 1200 Sergeant 694-5180 and online at drinkculligan.com. Uh, and our guys over at F Apparel, getting a lot of people ready for summer. Uh, we're already seeing a few weddings happening right now. There's graduations coming up and F Apparel locally owned is the spot to go for custom suits for men. Really a full line of custom clothing for any occasions, including suits, dress shirts, chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories, and more. Every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. F's custom-made suits start at just 400 bucks. Got a 15% discount if your wedding party gets your looks from F Apparel and a great promotion for high school graduates coming up in this fall. And speaking of F, Remo, you were in there on the weekend getting uh, getting fitted up for a, a, a couple new uh, new suits. Yeah, shout out to Andrew for taking care of me on Saturday. Very busy in there, grad season coming up, wedding season. Uh, I'm in a wedding party, so I had to get, uh, get fitted, got some events, so I'm going to be looking pretty good. I'll have to, you know, once Are you going to get WST on the inside of no. the uh, on the inside of the suit? He offered to get to get me like yeah, I could have got like little Mac from like Punch Out with his coach on the in the lining of the suit. <laughs> but little I Mac. was like I was like I'm not cool enough to pull it off, so I went with like some standard uh some standard paisley. Um Could you, you know, get a picture of yourself inside? I could get, it? I could get whatever I want as a lining of the suit and um I declined. I said I can't pull. I can't pull it off. So I, I, I'll get. I'll get a WST pattern on the inside. I didn't get any. Like I didn't get any um, initials on the cuffs, or I didn't get what people like get it on the inside of the jacket too. I got none of that. I'm not. What cool about up. some bling? 
you know, some diamonds or something. I'm like not, that. I can't pull that off. I'm not, yeah, I'm not ready for that. $500 suit and $1,500 cufflinks. That's the Remus. That's the Remus look going forward. Anyways, pop down to our friends, Andrew and the gang over at F Apparel. They're at 190 Smith Street, or you can find out more online at ephfapparel.com. Um, all right, heading into Saturday's game after the gong show that was Friday. Um, and I'll just, I'll clarify this. I mean, Jeff and Marat were the two uh, reporters on the road. We know, of course, Marat joined us on Friday. He's on the list. He's in quarantine right now. Wasn't able to get to Denver dealing with COVID-19. Our thoughts are with him. I did check in with him on the weekend. He said he's not feeling too, too bad and hopes to be uh, back at it some point later on this week. So thinking about you, pal. Uh, but Jeff Hamilton was the lone reporter um, that was there. And after the game, and after the way a game, I mean, it's not like Blake Wheeler, the captain's been out speaking. I don't think he'd actually spoke since the uh, uh, the, the infamous is that anything new comment earlier about a couple of weeks ago when things were going so well for he and Mark Shifley. Needless to say, since then, it has not gone well. And we all know where the team is uh, in you know, in the season and how valuable and how crucial um, points are right now. And, you know, it was a disappointing road trip and a really, really crazy end to uh, a game that started off with such hope and promise up three, nothing after the first period. Um, so Wheeler was requested along with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Adam Lowry after the game. Uh, and uh, the Jets made Dubois and Lowry available. So, I mean, I knew New Wheeler was going to speak at some point. And to be honest, I mean, he may have just been so hot after what had happened uh, that he didn't want to speak at that time. That being said, it didn't seem like he had cooled down much the following afternoon. And um, this has been talked about quite a bit. I know we'll get into it with Mike. So uh, if you did miss it, this is from Saturday afternoon. We've got a couple of clips. Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press uh, in conversation with Captain Blake Wheeler just hours after uh, the drubbing in Denver. You know, this team has gotten towards Stanley Cup contender status because of the leadership group led by you. You know, obviously this year hasn't gone the way you wanted to. You're 52 games in, calling for a playoff spot. How much responsibility is on the guys wearing the letters to not to where you are, but maybe where you also need to be down this final 30 games? Well, I guess that's the that's the real joy of uh, you know being in that position. Uh, you know, when things go good, nobody says a word about you. When things go bad, you know it's your fault. So uh, I'm I'm comfortable. You know, if you need to write a, a negative story, you can write it about me. Um, no different than the in the past. So um, I think the fact that uh, you know still here talking to you instead of uh, doing something else uh, speaks volumes. Okay. Well, I mean, that comes with the assumption that. You feel like you haven't gotten any praise or, while your time here? Like, I was just, I guess, being a little bit uh, sarcastic. That, okay. that that's not so much because uh, you're celebrated here quite quite often. I would argue. Okay. okay. I mean, are you looking to get into a pissing match? Me, you and I? <laughs> yeah, sure. Absolutely not. Right. You're, you're the one who started off, man. Ask yeah, a question. Yeah. All right. So, uh, listen. Those things will happen. A couple times over the course of the year. By the way, I know B.A. was wondering about it. Just Wheeler was asked for after the game. This is what Hamilton tweeted out afterwards. I requested Blake Wheeler with Pierre-Luc Dubois, also an option if Wheeler wasn't made available. I also wanted Adam Lowry, who in my mind is a big part of the leadership group. I'm told we got Dubois because he wanted to talk after the game. Thus, Wheeler wasn't asked. Anyways, that's the way they handle things. Probably not a great time to have the captain not step up after being asked, but whatever. Um, 
And, and, and honestly, Remus, I'm interested in your thoughts in this because this sort of happens sometimes when teams are losing. It's not fun. There's a lot of pressure on you, especially a guy like Wheeler, who for the most part has been the guy. He and Mark Shifley, I mean, you know, this is, they've been given the keys as we all, Maurice always talked about. It's their team. Um, and, you know, with that comes, you know, some responsibility, especially when you're minus four and your team gets your their asses kicked the way they did on Friday night. So, listen, I, I think he probably would like to have that one back the way that he came in. I certainly don't think that that was uh, an unfair question by any stretch of the imagination. And to be honest, sometimes if you handle that things, it becomes a much bigger story than it would have been. If you just said, you know what, a lot of us need to be better, or, you know, like whatever. I mean, they've had a, a million different ways of responding to questions. Um, but I think it also speaks to just the emotional state right now of the Jets, especially coming off of that game against Friday, uh, Friday night in Denver. And you'll hope that maybe, even if it's just one win, a win yesterday puts them in a bit better of a mental space. We'll get to practice. Nick Ehlers returned today. Um, but... This was not, I mean, an unfair part on, on Jeff's part. And to be honest, listen, I, if I'm Wheeler, I would be pissed right now. I don't know if I'd necessarily take it on the, me, the media, who are essentially the conduit for the fans. Uh, but honestly, no one should be happy after a game like that. And if everything was all, oh, yeah, no big deal. I think we all would have been uh, asking questions as well. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't blame Wheeler for getting angry. I'll be honest, like if I had a crappy day at work and I had to answer questions about it I always imagine like how would I react and would I be able to uh, give you know give answers where you know I'm don't end up uh, going viral like what uh like this one because everyone was talking about this over over the weekend but um I don't mean I don't blame him for getting mad I think the questions were fair I mean I think maybe you're just going to have uh these types of exchanges I mean I do think that Wheeler's saying that he doesn't get or hasn't got praised in the past I mean, and then, Je and then Jeff pointed. I don't think pointed. he was trying to say that. It did come across that way, which is absolutely ludicrous. Let me let me yeah. say that first and foremost. Yeah, maybe he was just trying, like, just started using a a saying. And but, I mean, I think it is fair to question, you know, the team's leadership. I, I'm not blaming Blake specifically. I mean, you look at the run that he's had here the last in February. I mean, he's been in terms of scoring points. I mean, he's been absolutely on, on fire. So, um. You know, but I think asking questions about the team's leadership group, you know, how they can get out of this or how they got into this situation when you're having uh, your performance relative to expectations isn't hitting hitting the mark. I think questions are warranted. And look, if he wants to be salty about it, I mean, that's I think that's perfectly fine as well. So I know sometimes you want to pick, OK, who's who's the winner here? And it's just like it seems like a thing that that happens. No, no, for sure. And Mitch said that question by Jeff was a softy by old standards. In the 1.0 days, they would have been tougher. Listen, there's no doubt about it. And hey, you know, Jets PR for their, uh, listen, you can regard, you can have your own thoughts on what this has created. But I think this has been some of the most protected, uh, the most protected team uh, that I've ever seen when it comes to the media. Um. You know, I mean, it's not like after every one of these losses. I mean, the guys with letters are out there answering questions as to what happened. Far from it. More often than not, I mean, you're getting them after, you know, something really good happens. And as far as the media goes, I mean, I can't think of one, you know, really hard hitting article that called out the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. Far from it, to be honest. 
And listen, people here that watch this program and listen to this program on a daily basis know that I've been one of the biggest defenders of Blake Wheeler. And I still do believe he's got a lot of game. I think that he can, you know, help this team win hockey games. I think some of the criticism on him has been really unfair at times by people, by fans. But that's a far cry from Hamilton or Mike McIntyre or the guys that are there each and every day. And I do have a feeling that some of what, you know, happens on social media and some of the echoes of the frustration of Jet fans and fairly or unfairly taking shots at the guys that, you know, are getting the big money and have the responsibility of leading this team, um, you know, has, has been heard. And whether they're getting it from other places, from, you know, family members or friends, even if they're not seeking it out themselves, I think that was building up. And after a game like that on Friday, I mean, that was a little bit of a match on, you know, in gasoline, but it hasn't been the Winnipeg media. I will say this. I think these guys get it easier in this market, members of the Winnipeg Jets, than just about any other team in any other market from the media, from the fans. No, maybe not. I mean, when things are going well, you're a hero and you're a champion. Um, despite what Blake says, that people might not give them credit for it. Um, and when things are going bad the other way, it's naturally going to be those guys that, you know, are 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 feeling the heat. And um, and that's a real interesting side story of this room, because I think a lot of this was a bit of a back uh, a backlash on, you know, not things that had ever come in the pages of the Winnipeg Free Press, but, you know, in conversations, because, hey, people care about this team. They love this team. They pay attention to everything that this team does. and. Uh, you know what, when you when you play the way that they had done in that week and finished up the way they did against uh, the Colorado Avalanche, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of things being said. And listen, I think it could probably have been handled a little bit better. But to be honest, I still think it's much ado about nothing. And we go back to the stories about how you change the narrative. You know how you change the narrative? Step up in the third period like he did yesterday to score a massive goal for your hockey team, get two damn points and get home and hopefully keep it going against the Habs on Tuesday night. Yeah, exactly. And I think you get... You know, you get angry when you hear the same old BS answers, you give it 110% or, you know, we're going to try our best, whatever. We're a they, young team. Don't forget that's what, on the greatest hits, well, hits list. Yeah. You, and then, so you hear something different. I think you're a bit, a bit startled. And again, you like to see that, uh, that he's pissed off. I don't think the questions were horribly unfair. So, I mean, I it's going to happen when, I mean, I, it's going to happen when, your your team again is out of a playoff spot when you had players on your team calling yourselves a dynasty before the season had started. So uh, no, I you know just speaks. <laughs> I, I'm I'm referring to Hellbuck in the in the preseason, and I again. So I mean, it just shows you where you thought they were going to be or where the team saw themselves to where they are. There's quite a bit of a gap there. Yeah, listen, at some times, Blake, we just had a hard time dealing with the media when things are going really bad. I mean, what was it? He told Paul Friesen to F off in the playoffs a few years back, right mm -hmm. before yeah. the end of that series. And then, of course, there was the end. So, um, but I'll see this, and Remus, I know you'll remember this back from the old 1290 days. I mean, I actually love when Wheeler's pissed off and acting like that because that's often when we've gotten the best out of number 26. I mean, I always said, oh, here comes bad mood, bad mood, Blake. Yeah. <laughs> and when bad mood, Blake is often, you know, the best version of Blake Wheeler. So, hey, you know what? Maybe it's all maybe it's all part of the plan. Uh, well, we'll see what happens against the uh, the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow. Listen, now we're going to get Mike McIntyre on here in just a second. Uh, big shout out to our friends Donnie and the gang over at Manitoba Battery. Uh, this deep freeze might be over. We're looking ahead to summer. Of course, Manitoba Battery when it comes to all 
the uh, fun parts of summer, whether it's ATVs, boats, and more, uh, has everything you need to power up your vehicles. And again, of course, best prices on automotive batteries in town, 100 bucks with core exchange on most models. They'll deliver it to you citywide on the same day with a 1.30 p.m. order or earlier for $115. Uh, of course, they've got uh, booster cables and more. And for you ice fishers out there, they've got the flasher batteries to keep you catching fish all winter long. Pop on down and see Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery. Um, 1026 Logan Avenue, 783-8787 or online at manitobabattery.com. Our friends at Royal Sports are, well, hopefully getting ready for spring, but right now uh, they do have the best selection of licensed merchandise from around the world of sports. Uh, Incredible international soccer gear, NFL gear, including Rams Super Bowl merchandise, CFL, including some brand new Winnipeg Blue Bombers Grey Cup exclusive merchandise, including some great new era dad hats, uh, and of course, a massive and best selection of Winnipeg Jets gear around. You got the million dollar hockey section. You've got bikes, snowboards, and so much more fitness, shoes. And don't forget to check out all the cool stuff over on the King's Skate Snow and Surf side. 750 Pemina Highway. It's Royal Sports. Uh, and follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and great deals. And our friends at Not Auto Corp are uh, ready for a summer. And if you are sick and tired of these Winnipeg roads or the vehicle that you're in and thinking about a new whip, start your search over at Not. Uh, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Pop down and see them and see what's on the lot at Waverly and McGilvery. Or if you've got your heart set on a particular make and model, they'll identify it for you, help you acquire it, get it here for the best price. Not Auto Corp. Waverly and McGivery, and you can find out more. Contact them online at not.ca. All right. Well, there is a lot to unpack from uh, this weekend as well as today's practice. Let's bring in our good friend Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press, who I believe is kicking it down in the Matt Frost Media Center after practice today. Mike, what's up? How are you? I'm here with all my friends, Huss. <laughs> Full house. Yes. Uh, it's kind of, I guess, kind of like the Jets practice itself. It was a bit of an optional for the media today as well. Uh, um, some guys are still back uh, back on the road trip. They haven't returned yet uh, to home sweet home. But yeah, it was interesting. There weren't a whole lot of players on the ice. Um, I think by my count, eight forwards, four defensemen, and both goaltenders, Connor Hellebuck and Eric Comer. Even the coach took the option today, Huss. There was no Dave Lowry out there. Jamie, uh, Jamie Compon was kind of running the show, but I guess the big takeaway was one or two players really who were out there. Andrew Kopp, who we kind of expected, he he practiced on Saturday as well, and he's getting very close to a return, probably gets back in the lineup tomorrow night. He actually spoke to us here just a few minutes ago. But the other big one uh, or the biggest one would be Nikolai Ehlers, who uh, was out there in his yellow non-contact jersey and I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV or on uh, YouTube, Huss, but I must say for a guy coming off a major knee injury, uh, the guy known as Fly was flying out there. Um, And you have to wonder how close potentially to a return Nikolai Ehlers might be. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that he was out there with his teammates, I think will, um, you know, be a nice burst of, you know, energy in the room. Um, But they need him on the ice right now, Mike. I mean, it's been quite clear for a team that, you know, Sunday notwithstanding has had a real, real difficult time scoring goals. And 
I guess we'll get to one of the <laughs> one of the popular topics of the weekend, the inability to have both lines going at once. They definitely showed up. I mean, the entire team did yesterday when they needed it. Um, but, you know, Ehlers is fascinating. And just I'll be as well ask you this while we're on the topic before we get to everything that happened over the course of the weekend. Like, I'm trying to think, like, I don't think that they have had Ehlers and Wheeler in the lineup at the same time since um, basically Paul Maurice was the head coach. Um, it was Mark Shifley yeah, that was playing right. that was playing with Ehlers um, for a time, and, and Wheeler was out, and Wheeler came back. Um, I am quite interested as to where Ehlers fits in um, to the to the lines when uh, when he's back. I mean, I think we're going to probably definitely continue to have Dubois and Connor together. Um, you know, there's been some great games with Shifley and Wheeler, and then there's been you know nights like Friday. Um, so where, I mean, Dave Lowry, it's a new head coach. We don't have a huge body of work for him. Right. I mean, where does Ehlers go when he comes back? Well, I think he goes back with Mark Shifley. It's just a question of who, who leaves the, uh, the, the Shifley line. And right now, of course, you've got, uh, you've got Paul Stasny and Blake Wheeler. And then there's the added complexity of where does Andrew Kopp go back? I mean, does Andrew Kopp go into the top six or does he slide back on that third line with Adam Lowry? I suspect Andrew Kopp probably goes back where he was, which was playing with Lowry. I think, you know, Dave Lowry likes seeing those two together just because we know what they can do as a checking unit. But it does open up some interesting possibilities once Ehlers back, you know, does does one of Blake Wheeler or Paul Stasny then slide down to play with, say, Cop and Lowry? And then you've got a really interesting third line that certainly has some offensive pop as well, especially with whether it was Cop and Wheeler on the wings or Cop and Stasny on the wings. You know, you got some some guys, and then you can roll a top nine that you know maybe all can contribute. All this talk the last few days about the Jets not having their top six always going at the same time. It always seems to be one line and or the other. How about if they could get a top nine rolling? That would certainly bolster their odds. Um, and then you've got, you know, looking a little further even down the road here, when's Cole Perfetti back? He's not skating, but where does he necessarily fit in? He was in, you know, playing with Dubois and, and Connor and looked quite comfortable there. So, you know, if they get to a point here, Huss, where everybody is back and healthy at the same time, it will be fascinating to see how Dave Lowry kind of for the first time uh, puts these pieces of the puzzle together. But, you know, one thing I would say after these last two games, I'm not sure how you take Evgeny Svechnikov off that, that line again with, with Dubois and Connor, like that, he just seems like a really good fit. He was tremendous yesterday. I mean, that line, they were really good in Colorado. They were really good again yesterday. And I don't know that you'd want to mess with that, right? Um, I suppose he could. I mean, Evgeny Svechikov isn't that far removed from being a healthy scratch in this lineup, but uh, it would seem to be a bit of a um, a backwards move to take a guy who seems to be a really good fit there. But, yeah, a lot of things to consider. And, uh, you know, step one will be where does Andrew Kopp go back in tomorrow night? Like I said, probably on the third line with, with Lowry. Um but we're getting closer to some of these decisions. And I guess, it, you know, this potentially goes under that good problem to have category, I guess, if you're the Jets, right? 
yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, considering that they've basically been just playing who's ever been healthy enough to actually be yeah. in the lineup at forward over the past week and a bit, um, you know, to have this, to have choices and hard choices, definitely. Uh, Dave Lowry will take those choices, I think, yes. and having the availability of Nikolai Ehlers. So let's get to the weekend, Mike. Let's back it up to Friday. Um, you know, a dream first period, a game that they, you know, probably weren't expected to win, but knew that those two points would be so helpful in trying to, you know, claw their way back into the conversation. Um, and as we were talking about it with the wrestling reference, I mean, this was uh, 40 minutes of finishing maneuvers put on the poor Jets in the second and third period. I mean, to me, there's been worse, worse losses this season when it comes to the scoreboard. Um, but as far as ripping the heart out of a team and uh, maybe an unfortunate facing of reality for a lot of people. It certainly felt that way at the end of the game because, um, you know, you went from having a great start and, um, you know, a lead that three, nothing against, I don't care who it is. You got to be able to hang on. Uh, and to be honest, the six, three score, maybe flattered the jets at the end of it all. It, it really did. Uh, <laughs> it, that could have been approaching double digits by the end of the night. Uh, and it's incredible to think that Colorado, I mean, they, they were okay in the first period. Connor Hellebuck made some nice saves, but they basically just said, okay, we're done kind of, you know, spotting these guys a, a lead here. Let's let's play our game. And when they're on, you know, the avalanche are uh, are a handful, that's for sure. And, and don't forget, Haas, I mean, if the Jets were to squeak into the playoffs, <laughs> that's what likely awaits, Tough. as in – you know, if they get in, it's probably as the second wild card because that's probably the only catchable spot. And the second wild card plays the number one seed, which seems to be a lock, is going to be the Avalanche. They're kind of, you know, running away with the Central and running away with the West. So I guess almost be careful what you wish for. Like if you scratch and claw your way into the playoffs, and, and I do wonder – for a few reasons, if that doesn't give additional pause for thought, if you're Kevin Day off in the Jets, are we going to, you know, mortgage the future, whether it's by keeping our UFAs and not moving at the deadline because we think we have a chance to kind of get in? Well, if you even if you were to get in, how realistic are are you winning four? Are you winning four games against that Avalanche team that just? you know, that just absolutely annihilated you um, after spotting you a three-goal lead. So, you know, it may be a reality check for sure. Um, but, you know, just another disappointing loss, really in a week that was filled with them for different reasons, right? You know, the Calgary game, that's a game you got to get that at least to overtime. And then in overtime, it's it's a coin flip. And I think you and I talked last week with the skill the Jets have, I like their chances as, as well as anybody's of getting two points out of that. Uh, Dallas, of course, you know, they they get it to overtime. They get the point, but they don't get the second one. And then a 3 nothing lead. In some ways, you could say, Huss, all three of those games were very winnable for the Jets, and they didn't win any of them. And this is a team that can't afford to leave points on the table like that. Um, you know, to their credit, they come back from a deficit yesterday and, and get a victory. But um, in some ways it almost feels a little too, too late, but you know, a new week, new opportunity, and we'll see what they can do with the homestand here. 
Yeah. So, I mean, after the game, I expect, well, we saw from Josh Morrissey in between periods. I mean, absolutely shell shocked as yeah. uh, I think a lot of people were watching the hockey game. Um, and it just went from bad to worse in that third period. I don't think anyone was too excited to go over what had happened after the game. Um, and your colleague, Jeff Hamilton requested Blake Wheeler. Uh, and, uh, you know, a backup on that was Pierre-Luc Dubois and Adam Lowry. And apparently, as was told to him, um, Dubois really wanted to speak. Take that for what it will when it comes to guys stepping up in tough times. One of the youngest players on the team. Um, and so they didn't ask Wheeler. Uh, listen, we'll excuse him from that. But he did speak after the game. Just first off, what did you make of Dubois apparently wanting to talk after that game and what you heard from him? And then we'll get to uh, the uh, the fireworks, if you want to call them that, from Saturday afternoon. Well, look, Pierre-Luc Dubois is a guy who is he's playing like a leader. Uh, he's leading on the ice night in and night out. And even when he does things um, that I guess, you know, in a in a small window, maybe you could criticize like he, he takes kind of a selfish, you could say selfish frustration penalty near the end there. Right. I love that. I mean, I, I think you need to have guys that give a damn and it seems at times there's too many guys that don't have that kind of fire in their belly that Pierre-Luc Dubois seems to have usually from the puck drop right to the final buzzer um you know and and so he to me he's carrying himself on the ice like a leader and we're also seeing now uh him carrying himself off the ice like a leader by doing things like that like stepping forward that he he wanted to speak after, like you said, maybe the toughest loss of the year because of how it happened. That as you know, a twenty-three-year-old, he puts himself out there to answer questions, and and you know, he's not just spouting cliches either. He's giving very thoughtful answers. He's now kind of talked a few times about how passive the Jets at times are and that they ease into games. They they didn't do that against Colorado on Friday, Huss. It was kind of the opposite. For once, they kind of did come out, you know, dictating the game, and then they let it all get away. And so, again, it speaks to some of the things he brought up, the identity crisis on this team, the lack of one, and the fact that they can't all seem to be pulling in the same direction. So I love what I'm seeing from Pierre-Luc Dubois on the ice. I love what I'm seeing from him off the ice. To me, this is a guy, you know, assuming he gets locked up long-term here, the sooner he gets a letter on his sweater, probably the better for everybody. And, and in, in a way, it does feel like we're seeing a bit of a changing of the guard that, you know, this is becoming kind of his team in a way. And, you know, is not it a just, hostile takeover? Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's certainly up for debate. And I've seen some theories, of course, when we talk about some of Mark Shifley's struggles, you know, I. Look, I've said before, I, I I would love nothing more than to see a guy like Mark Shifley get motivated by having another top center here. The, the way that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl make each other better, that they feed off each other. Um, and unfortunately, you know, it doesn't seem like we're seeing that here. So is it hostility? Is it? I, I don't know the answer to that, but you're right. I mean, it does beg the question that... Um, when you're seeing guys often like Dubois and even Adam Lowry and Andrew Kopp, those are all guys who don't wear letters. They tend to speak more often than really anybody else on the team. And I think that 
that speaks to, you know, their poise and the professionalism. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to lead on the ice too, right? And Pierre-Luc Dubois is doing that in a lot of ways. Like he's, uh, he's a beast out there and he looks like a guy who is trying to kind of will this team night in and night out to victory. Well, I agreed on that. And, and, and to be honest, I mean, I care far more about what players do on the ice than what they do after the game, win or lose. Um, and I'll give Wheeler a lot of credit. I mean, I backed him throughout the season. I mean, the goal that he scored yesterday, uh, I don't know if we can say the same thing for Shifley in yesterday's game, but Blake Wheeler absolutely wanted it. He was playing like he felt the pressure. And that goal that he scored um, was huge. I mean, they needed it so badly when they've yeah. done that. And as I said earlier, I mean, nine times out of 10, he's passing to Shifley on that play. And whether it was the, whether it was the fact that, you know, they were probably expecting that as well. Right. Um, you know, he made no mistake, got that goal and they needed it. But um, that was all in the aftermath of Saturday afternoon. And hey, Blake's been around. There's been some cantankerous moments with media at times. And I think that's, um, you know, often the way he gets when things are going very badly for his team. And certainly Saturday afternoon coming off that embarrassing loss would have been one of those days. But uh, what did you make of the back and forth with the captain and our pal Hammer? Yeah, I mean, I'm not totally surprised. And let me just say, I, I have no problem with Blake Wheeler reacting that way. I, I Jeff Jeff Hamilton asked perfectly reasonable, respectful questions. Uh, you know, I, I don't think Blake Wheeler necessarily should have handled it that way, but I have no issue with him kind of showing, you know, getting his back up because that's kind of his nature, right? And, and you know, like, like you say, at the end of the day, it's kind of what, what happens on the ice that's most important. I, I would pick apart, I guess, a few things Blake Wheeler said. I mean, the insinuation that seems like we only talk about him when things aren't going well. Um, yeah, I, I take issue with that. Like we're, we're coming off. I personally just penned a 1500 word tribute to Blake Wheeler uh, about a month ago after his 1000th game and all that he's meant to this team and this community um, yeah, maybe there's, you know, some people out on uh, on social media that kind of go after him, but I haven't seen any of that in the mainstream media and certainly not this year. And in fact, if anything, Huss, people who've been critical of his game, like I've written at times, there's a lot of built in excuses here. The guy got COVID, the guy suffered a major injury. So the idea that, you know, somehow we're, we've been unfair to Blake Wheeler and not maybe celebrating him, I, I think this year, for sure, there's a lot of evidence actually to the contrary. And, you know, him saying, like, almost implying that that he's doing everyone a favor by coming out and speaking still. <laughs> Sorry, like, I... let's, let's not forget, he's the captain of a hockey team in a Canadian market. That's part of the job. When you wear the C, you're the face of, of the players. And... If anything, Huss, Blake Wheeler speaks far less now in sort of a COVID world and a pandemic world than he ever did. He used to speak pretty much every day. Uh, certainly every game day, he's the one that when the rooms were open that you'd go to. Blake Wheeler now, I mean, I haven't added it up, but I would suggest on average he's speaking about once a week now instead of once a day. So, you know, that's part of the job description when you're the captain, especially in a in a market like Winnipeg, 
uh, you got to be there to, to kind of answer the questions. And it's not, you're not doing anyone a favor, you're just doing your job. And so, I mean, again, sort of picking that apart, but, you know, it's fine. Uh, he's, he's, Blake Wheeler is who he is. And, you know, he uses that, I think, a lot of times to his own advantage. He, that, and, and the Jets have used that in the past, this idea that, oh, it's us against the world and people are down on us. Like, they almost use that as a rallying point at times. And, um, you know, like you said, to his credit, he came out, scored a huge goal yesterday at a time they needed it, um, you know, helped lead them to a victory that they desperately needed. But yeah, it was all, um, it was all quite interesting for sure. And yeah, I'd love to, to hear more from Blake Wheeler. It's almost like he wanted to say more and then he stopped himself, you know, when Jeff asked him about the, the weight of the coaching change and Paul Maurice and how much that has played a role. And then he said, you know, now's not the time. Well, I hope that time comes, uh, whether it's later this year or after the season or at the beginning of next year. But, um, you know, it would be interesting to kind of find out what he really feels about some of what's happened here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, just on that, and I mean, I've said before, I mean, I think that, you know, a lot of that narrative is sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. that they have somehow manufactured. And hey, if it gets more out of the team on the ice, I mean, go for it. I don't think it does. I don't think it does anything for them when it comes to their relationship with the team and their fan base. To be honest, I think it damages it. And I think that is it was something that's kind of, you know, taken its toll over the last few years. Um, you know, really in well, basically since New Year's of, of 2019, right. When this sort of downward trajectory has uh, has began. Um, but I just laugh. I mean, you mentioned that. I mean, if you tried to pull that act in Montreal or Toronto or Vancouver, uh, let's just say the reaction would have been very different than I think we got in Winnipeg. And, you know, the conversation, I think, was you know respectful for the most part. Um, but like that sort of thing just wouldn't fly in a lot of other places. No, exactly. And so I think, you know, you got to know your market, know your audience. Um, and look, I mean, there I've seen the reaction. There's some people who feel the media has no business asking any questions, you know, how dare they question Blake Wheeler at all on anything. And so there will be people who use this as a chance to dump on, on the media. Um, you know, to me, it speaks to the importance, I think, still of having kind of independent media and good on Jeff for asking those questions. Uh, he was the only one there not affiliated with the team. And well, I was to about me, to say, and, and you know what, good on the Winnipeg Free Press, because in an era where, I mean, every single media company, it seems, is going as cheap as possible right. and, to be honest, doesn't care about the end product as much as they probably should. Um, the fact that there was somebody there from the local Winnipeg media. And listen, I got a lot of time for Mitch Clinton. I think he's doing a great job yeah. for what his job is. He works for the team. I mean, you're never going to get a, no. um, you know, even in really, really tough times, you know, some of the things that I think need to be asked and should be asked from a guy that is on the team. And that is why it's important to have, you know, good quality beat writers. Um, and, and again, I just wanted to bring that up because I mean, it does stand out that the Winnipeg Free Press has guys on the road because, I mean, Post Media is not doing it right now. None of the Sportsnet guys are. Sportsnet's not even sending guys to do their own broadcast right yeah. now. So, 
Um, anyways, I just that that du- duly noted on that, but uh, a, a hat tip because I mean that's important, and I think a lot of fans really do appreciate that having somebody there at the games. Yeah, for sure, and we've committed, of course, to to covering all the road games this year as as we do the home games extensively, and and I think that's part of you know we saw this weekend why that's important. I think you're going to see more examples of that coming up here shortly about the value of being present and, and, you know, some of what that can, can lead to. I know Jeff's got another piece in the works that I think folks will find very interesting coming up here in, in tomorrow's paper. Um, So, you know, I think, you know, Blake Wheeler, like I said, uh, we know kind of who he is, what he is, and, and we know that he, he can be difficult at times to deal with. Um, but he can also be very revealing at times. And I think in some ways we maybe got a sense of the frustration the captain's feeling right now. Um, Probably the burden, if you will, the weight of the situation. Um, You know, he said in the past, he didn't say it on Saturday, but he certainly brought it up in the past. This is a guy who knows his window is rapidly closing here. If he wants to, kind of get that one thing that he doesn't have in his career and that's a Stanley Cup and you know after 2018 I suspect Blake Wheeler thought they were closer than ever and he was closer than ever to that dream that goal and here we are now in 2022 and 2018 you know that's the good old days at this point this is a team that is going to need a minor miracle just to sneak in as the eighth seed in the West. And that's not the way this season was supposed to go. And when you're the captain and you've had the personal frustrations as well of COVID and an injury, I I don't, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of stress right now in his world. And we probably saw some of that kind of manifest itself. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg free press with us here on Winnipeg sports talk daily. As far as yesterday goes, um, Tell you what, it was a real fun game to watch. I mean, you know, if you're at a point like me where, you know, with how poorly the week has gone, I mean, didn't really go into the game with, you know, high expectations. I mean, win or loss. I mean, their their plight is still very, very bleak, Mike. Right. Um, but I'll tell you what, I was very impressed with what Nate Bolio had to say in between periods of the second and third. That was the sort of, um, I mean, listen to this. I think that's the thing that fans appreciate, the honesty. Uh, and he went out, he said, listen, this needs to be the most desperate period of our yeah. season right now. We know where we're at. He said it a couple times. Um, and then to the team's credit, they went out and delivered on it. We mentioned the great goal by Blake Wheeler to get them tied. And then Kyle Connor, who I thought was a bit snake bit through the first couple periods. I and mean, yeah. we know how strong Pierre-Luc Dubois was playing. Connor was getting after it and he was getting opportunities that hadn't gone in. And of course he finally does make it happen Scores the empty net or two uh, to, to ice it off. I mean, he was huge. And your thoughts on Eric Comrie too, who I thought did not start very well, but Holy smokes. I mean, the first 10 seconds of that third period, if he doesn't make those yeah, saves right. right off of the opening faceoff, this conversation and this chat room today is very, very different. Mark my words on that, Mike. Yeah, this chat room would be that that this is fine meme with the fire <laughs> raging in the background, right? For exactly. sure. And, you know, to me, it was a stunning decision, at least in my eyes. I never expected Eric Comrie to be starting. Now, I know Dave Lowry said after the game that that kind of was the plan all along. Um, 
I'll, I'll, I'll take him at his word that that truly was the plan. But to me, Huss, after you lose the first three on the road trip, I'm shocked that plans didn't change if that really was the plan. Um, because if you were going into that game, as the Jets should have been, knowing that anything short of a victory is a disaster, to not start your Vesna winner, your number one goaltender, in a game that had to be viewed internally as an absolute must win. I don't know what message that sends to Connor Hellebuck, to the rest of the room, um, but it's quite something, that's for sure. And like you say, to Connery's credit, you know, he lets in that that first goal he let in was obviously one he would want back. That's a, that's a shot that he's got to stop. Um, and yet, you know, he stayed with it and you're right. Huge saves at the beginning of the third. And then I never did see the replay Huss, but it looked by my eyes, like he made a heck of a save right at the end there, right before Kyle Connor gets the empty net. Or now maybe it hit the side of the net. Um, but certainly in real time, it looked like Eric Comrie made a five alarm save, uh, to, to prevent the tying goal. So yeah, I mean, Eric Comrie, look, he's he's going weeks between starts and he's managed to win the last three that he's played, which, you know, I asked the question on Twitter last night, like, is there a goalie controversy now? Do, who, start, <laughs> who, starts who starts tomorrow night? If it's all about wins, if it's all about wins and you can't afford to be hurting feelings, do you start the guy that's won his last three? I don't think you do. I think there's no question Connor Hellebuck's in net tomorrow. However, Huss, what, what what did what did what did the uh, what did the people have to say to your incendiary poll? <laughs> uh the so let me just look at the latest because I did I I I did it in a poll form. So let's see what the latest here uh is. There is a lot of responses I know when I when I checked this morning and they were leaning in one particular direction. So here, here we are. We're just calling up the old Twitter feed. Um, so yes, the question was, uh, Eric Comrie's won the last three starts. The Jets desperately need wins. Who should start in goal on Tuesday night? And as of right now, there's been 1,551 votes. So the Hellebuck crowd has now slightly pulled ahead it's 51.7 percent say hellebuck 48.3 but that means almost 750 people believe eric comrie of the 1550 i'm frankly surprised it's that high but i guess recency bias would be uh, the explanation right yeah well listen i expect connor hellebuck to be in net tomorrow against the montreal canadians um uh, i would expect nothing different uh, uh here, here's here's one thought about the lineup though and, you know, we had so much to get to from the Jet games. I didn't talk about this in the first half hour of the program. But I went to the Moose game on, sa on Saturday afternoon. Part of it was to try to get new hockey memories that could hopefully further remove myself from the second and third period of Friday night's game watched yeah. on television. But, um, you know, I hadn't had a lot of chance to get out to see the Moose, so I did want to see where things were at, see you know, the defense guys, and particularly watch David Gustafson. And Gustafson looked awesome. I mean, they didn't play very well as a team. I mean, they right. lost, um, but he was taking the puck to the net, was scored on a net drive, exactly the sort of thing that Dave Lowry keeps on preaching to his club. And then, you know, you think about 
you know, what the Jets have gotten out of the likes of an Austin Pagansky. Um, a Christian Veselainen, for that matter. And Christian Veselainen, they always talk about these guys in the fourth line need roles. You need to be able to do something else. Well, I don't see him con uh, contributing on the power play. And he's certainly not out there on the penalty kill, which is something right. David Gustafson's been. So I guess my question is, is the time right now to get David Gustafson back in and not just called up to the Jets, but in the lineup and Hopefully he can last longer than five minutes in a first period and go and help this team win some hockey games. Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, they sent him down to the Moose, not as a demotion. Us. They sent him down to the Moose because he needed to play some hockey as he came off his injury. So the only question I would have is, and you, I didn't see either Moose game this weekend. I know you, as you say, you saw one of them. Um, he's now got a few games under his belt. So as long as, as long as his kind of conditioning is back and let's face it, he's playing a much bigger role on the moose, you know, as like a first liner on the moose. So he would be, he would be getting, you know, his win back in a way that he wouldn't as a fourth liner with the jets. But if he comes back into this lineup, that's probably the role he's going into as a fourth liner. And as a guy who can kill penalties, we know, you know, he was starting to do that as well uh, here before he left with the injury. So, yeah, I would say for sure. I mean, this is, um, look, the Jets are getting some nice contributions lately. You know, Adam Lowry's now had had three goals here in the last five games. Dominic Toninato has, has been a nice kind of revelation in a way on the penalty kill. And he's provided, you know, some, some jump as well. But you're right. I mean, whether it's Pagansky, even Jansen Harkins, I think they need a little more out of him, um, you know, and they expect more out of him. And certainly, you know, Veselainen, who's um, not done a whole lot uh, with, with the opportunities been given. I think all that says, you know, yes, they're going to get caught back. So somebody's coming out, you know, for cop. Um, when Ehlers comes back, again, assuming there's no other injuries, someone else comes out. But I got to think they might be able to find room for David Gustafson, a guy they were extremely high on when he got called up. And then he didn't last very long before he got hurt. But I, I would like to see him get another look here and probably the sooner the better. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I mean, just as far as that goes, I mean, let's say Ehlers and Kopp are ready to go tomorrow night. And we're going into the lineup. I'm still putting in Gustafson into right. the mix. I mean, to me, Adam Brooks, Austin Pagansky and Christian Veselainen. I'd rather have, I'd rather have Gustafson over all three of those guys. And to me, it's not even... Uh, it's not even a tough decision, really. And I think it speaks to the fact that no three of those guys, and I know Brooks hasn't been here for very long, uh, it's not like any of them have done anything that said, oh, geez, they're really going to make it tough for this coach yeah. to pull them out of the lineup when other guys are there. That just hasn't happened. So here's the only thing that they'll have to navigate and, and when they're making these decisions is um, they can't keep everybody on the active roster. It's guy, some guys would have to go back to the moose. Um, Adam Brooks would require waivers, and I believe Austin Pagansky now would also require waivers because I believe he's been up here long enough. And then the question becomes, does another team grab? We know Adam Brooks, he's been grabbed all over the place here on the waiver wire. And if you're the Jets, are you willing to risk losing you know, a depth option or two um, to send a guy down? Christian Veselainen would not need waivers. He could go straight to the Moose. And, you know, I, I do wonder if that move is going to happen here sooner than later once Cop and Ehlers are back. He would seem to be a guy, logically, that, that is going to be on the outside looking in and a guy you could move down without the need for waivers. So, yeah, it's, it's, 
it's certainly an interesting situation. And, you know, I would throw another one into the mix here, potentially interesting to me. Huss is Logan Stanley, who would not need waivers to go to the Moose. He's a healthy scratch right now. He is not injured. Dave Lowry made that clear. And Dylan Sandberg, he was out there today as a full participant in practice in a regular jersey. And I think Dylan Sandberg opened some eyes when he was in the lineup. Has Logan Stanley now lost his top six spot? I think the the short-term answer is yes. Is he potentially even the seventh defenseman once Dylan Sandberg's ready to go? Or would they just send Sandberg back to the Moose? I mean, that that would be likely, I guess. They probably would like to get Sandberg kind of like Gustafson maybe get him some some games sort of rehabbing. But you do wonder when they look at when if the roster gets really full here and they have to look at, okay, who's not playing, but who could we move to the farm without needing to wave a guy? Um, you do wonder if someone like a Logan Stanley at, at some point becomes an option. I, I don't know the answer, uh, but again, lots of intriguing possibilities here in in the days ahead. Well, I mean, and just on that topic, I mean, I said on this program throughout last week, I was really surprised that Bolia was playing over Stanley. I mean, you know, with the issues that Bo had had in his own end. and right. um, But I'll say what, credit where credit is due. I thought he played his ass off you know, on, on Friday night. You know, he blocked that shot that led to uh, the third goal. Um, you know, to get the team up with that lead. Um, and and to be honest, sometimes it's not even a fair spot. I mean, you got Nate and Bolio on the ice when, uh, you know, Nate McKinnon and uh, Landis Cog are running around. You know, it's you're a, often, often going to end up in the wrong spot on the highlight reel. It's a tough ask on the road for sure. And certainly, um, you know, Bednar made it made he was able to get his his top guys out against that third pair and certainly exploited them the other night. Um, now the Jets are home for the next four. Um, and, you know, I suspect Nathan Bowley is probably still in the lineup tomorrow. Uh, I doubt he comes out. I mean, I don't think you can afford to lose his offense, Huss. Uh, <laughs> He's on fire, Mike. He had two primary assists in the first period alone last night. I, I thought. I was actually looking up to remind myself what's the NHL record for assists in a game. And it's seven. He was, he was potentially challenging NHL history uh, because he had two apples ba- basically 10 minutes into the game. And uh, he was on pace maybe for his seven, but yeah, I mean, I, I suspect, look, they're playing Montreal tomorrow. We wonder if there could be some spillover, you know, from the whole Shifley. Well, Evans. I, w- I wanted to ask you about that. Um, yeah. Like, and here's the thing. I think we always would have um, assumed that maybe something was going to happen. But since then, Mike, both coaches are gone. Right. Both teams have had miserable seasons. The Habs might have half of their team still on the Montreal Canadiens coming into tomorrow. Marty St. Louis might not have even been paying attention to the playoffs when that happened last year. Like, do you think that there'll be any carry over from that will chiefly have to answer for what happened or uh, is this just something that you know in a different time we would assume something was going to happen and we'll talk about it a bit and uh, it'll be a complete non-issue when they drop the puck tomorrow night yeah for what it's worth uh, we asked both andrew cop and nate bolio who spoke here a short time ago down here at the matt frost uh, media center and both of them were quick to say no uh, we don't expect there will be any. And they quickly pointed to what you just did, Huss, which is the major turnover. Um, you know, Joel Edmondson's gone. A lot of their tougher guys are gone, right? Joel Edmondson's gone. 
Um, Philip Deneau is gone. Obviously, Shea Weber's not in the lineup. Tyler Toffoli's gone. Like, this is basically the Lavelle Rocket. And I don't know that the Lavelle Rocket will be out to avenge, you know, what happened to Jake Evans. I guess maybe Jake Evans might decide he wants to to uh, to have a, a word with Mark Shifley. But from what we heard, you know, Mark Shifley reached out to him in the offseason or after the incident happened. And, and I think the other thing the guys talked about is, like, we've almost had a full year passed here. Like, they said, you know, maybe if this was a situation where this was a few games into the new season and it was still kind of front of mind. But given the turnover and given the passage of time, um, it sounds like they're not expecting fireworks. Um, but I guess you never know, right? I mean, uh, it, the Jets should be worried, of course, about just the two points that are on the line and, and they desperately need them again. I, I said the other day, you know, going into this stretch here against Arizona and Montreal, statistically, they're the two worst teams in the league. Yeah, certainly Montreal's not playing like the second worst team in the league. They've won five in a row, but the standings are what they are. And if you're the Jets, you cannot afford the traditional back from a long road trip uh, <laughs> sleeper, which seems to be a thing, right? You you cannot come out tomorrow and then you know, sleepwalk through a game against the Habs and then say after the game, yeah, we just didn't have our legs after that long road trip. No, that's not going to fly. You got to go out and win the hockey game tomorrow and not worry about anything else. Yeah, I, I, I mean, just a very non-scientific um, review of the schedule. Home games, Monday and Tuesday nights this year for the Jets have, have, not, have not been kind. To, uh, to the home team. And uh, they got a lot of Tuesday games coming up in March. So, do. I mean, uh, at least the Mondays, I think, are gone going forward. Um, and, and needless to say, I mean, this, you know, when you think about the way, uh, if you are still holding out any sort of hope, Mike, um, you mentioned it, that you had to win that game yesterday. Tomorrow yep. you have to win. And this game on Friday against the Dallas Stars, Correct. if you win tomorrow night, becomes even more important because, um, you know, they've had two opportunities to gain ground on Dallas. They've got it to overtime, but still drop the point each time. Um, you know, they need to make up two on Friday night and uh, and then see what happens against the Rangers in Tampa when a couple real top teams from the East come to town. Yeah, I've said it many times now, and I'll repeat it again here. To me, there's going to be five central teams get in the playoffs and three from the Pacific. I'm not convinced, by the way. I, I'm still not sold on the Los Angeles Kings. I know they're they're knocking at the door somehow for for first place uh, to me I, I don't see the the kings i i don't see them there at the end i think edmonton probably gets in along with calgary and vegas so to me if you're the jets you have to crack the top five of the central and if you do even if you get fifth place in the central there's a good chance you're making the playoffs so to me looking at the standing it's the dallas stars more than any other team that the Jets have to worry about. And you're right. The Jets have allowed the Stars in their last two meetings to gain two points on them while each team wiped two games off the schedule. Uh, but before we get to Friday's humongous game, uh, there's the task at hand tomorrow. Because I'll tell you what, Huss, if the Jets come out and lay an egg tomorrow, then Friday's game doesn't matter anymore because the Jets, I mean, turn off the lights. Uh, at least in my eyes, the Jets have to win something like 20 of their last 29, I think, even to have a chance. 
So you cannot afford to have, you know, one of those nine losses uh, be against the second worst team statistically in the NHL. You just can't. Yeah. I mean, I, the way I worked it out, I mean, we were talking about through 40 games. I mean, they were just 500, I think four, four and two in that first 10 point game. So they, they need to make up the same amount of ground in 30 games. And then the opportunity to do in 40 by my calculations, they would needed to go 27 and three. Uh, and, and essentially they've got 15 points that they can, you know, or I guess 17 points that they can afford to not pick up on a nightly basis. I mean, right. if you lose in regulation, there's two off that number. If you only get one in overtime, there's one off that number. And uh, what that does mean is they need to win a lot of games and do it consistently. And uh, there is no time to wait to get that uh, going in the right direction. Well, and the other thing the Jets that doesn't work to their advantage, Husk, is they're done their season series with Minnesota. Uh, they'll wrap their season series with Dallas on Friday. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think they're done against Nashville, or maybe they have one more. But in any event, the teams that they're that they maybe have a, ch- a shot at chasing if they were to get red hot, they're running out of games against those teams, and. They got two games left against Colorado, but newsflash, the Jets aren't catching the avalanche. And given what we saw on Friday, those almost feel like two schedule losses, uh, given the dominance that the Avs have had over uh, over the Jets this season uh, in both games down in Denver. So, yeah, I mean, you're running out of you're running out of runway and you're also running out of those valuable, you know, proverbial four pointers. So a game like Dallas becomes a must win. But first, you got to win the must win that that comes up tomorrow night against Montreal. Well, yeah. And I mean, just to your point on the teams that they're chasing, I mean, they've got one more against Dallas. They've finished playing Edmonton. They finished playing Anaheim. They finished playing Vancouver. Um, The Los Angeles, Minnesota. They finished playing, finished playing Minnesota. They don't have any more games against Nashville. I just checked and they do have one home game against the Los Angeles Kings. So not only, and this maybe relates to the fact that why the Jets number is so low, despite right. being, you know, just six 10, points back. Is 10%, that, I believe. Yeah, is I mean, latest, it depends yeah. on what model you look at. I've yeah. seen six, seven percent, ten percent. The bottom line is it's one in ten if you're being positive. And a big part of that is uh, the lack of head to head games against the teams that they're chasing. So uh, no better time to get going than uh, than the present. Uh, well, Mike, this has been great. Uh, thanks for the time. Lots to get to today. I knew I was looking forward to having a chat with you today on everything coming out of the weekend. Uh, tell us what you've got in tomorrow's paper and uh, the rest of the week following this hockey club as they begin this homestand. Huss, I'm just glad that you weren't trying to get in a pissing match with me today. <laughs> I would never do that. Uh, I'm, I'm, so I'll have the latest out of practice today and some injury updates, but, uh, I'm doing a column actually on the ever evolving situation involving Russian, uh, athletes. And we're seeing, of course, a lot of things happening. The, just while we've been talking here, I see the IA, IA, double IHF has now banned Russia and Belarus. And, uh, uh, there's some developments in the curling world. And then I'm even seeing some things, uh, you know, with Russian players in the NHL, uh, one agent Huss of a number of Russian players, uh, including Andre Vasilevsky, uh, just said recently today that he's asked for added security uh, for his players. Uh, they asked the NHL and the PA uh, because of the uh, the global situation. So I'm going to do a I'll have a column today, kind of just weighing in on uh, this ever evolving situation. And the Jets, of course, well they have, have Evgeny Svechnikov, they have Mikhail Burden with the Moose. I'm of the opinion 
maybe it's just me. I think it's almost unfair to put Russian players on the spot to kind of give an opinion because to me, they're in a bit of a no-win situation. If they condemn what's going on, they potentially put family back home at risk. And if they don't, they're seen as, as going along with it. Um, you know, I would make an exception for someone like Alex Ovechkin, who has openly campaigned for Putin. And he was asked about it the other day, and I thought he handled it about as well as he could have. So I'll have a column on, uh, on that. And then, yeah, looking forward to some home cooking here this week before I hit the road for the Big Apple uh, next week. Uh, I'm on that road trip. My favorite city in the world to uh, to visit. So uh, that should be a lot of fun as hey, well. Hey, just, just on that note before we go, Mike, um, I mean, and again, it's so hard to really pontificate on this as the world is changing and, you know, yeah. each and every day and we don't know where this is going. But I do wonder, I mean, the Jets have a couple Russian draft picks. I mean, guys that were playing very well in the Continental yeah. Hockey League. I mean, uh, I do wonder about current Russian picks and what this means for their future. And then when we get to the draft in the summer, right. um, you know, how do teams evaluate <laughs> Russian players, especially looking like they're banned from everything? I mean, if you, yeah. you better have got your scouting done already because there's not going to be a lot of opportunities to see these guys play. And then I guess a very uncertain future as to whether they can and will come to North America. Well, we know that historically there's been a reluctance at times to take Russian players. And it's why you see guys, us, like Kirill Kaprizov, who kind of like remind me, but wasn't he like a fifth round pick or something? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And, and it had nothing to do with his talent, but everything to do with the whether or not they'd ever see him in North America. And, the, you know, the Jets made the pick last year, Rashevsky, right? A guy that a lot of folks are high on. And probably would have gone a lot higher if he was a lock to come to North America. But in a lot of ways, you're potentially just wasting a draft pick when you're picking a Russian player. And that that was because mainly of the KHL situation. Now you've added in sort of a, a war scenario and what's happening around the world. And you're right. I mean, to me, these are becoming even more uh of a crapshoot than they already were. And, and it will be interesting to see the, um, the domino effect, if you will. Um, you know, I've seen some calls to me, it's, it's almost ridiculous. I, I believe Dominic Hasek, in fact, of all came out and said, almost insinuating that Russian players should be kicked out of the NHL right now. Um, again, I, I don't think we can just paint everyone with the same brush here and suggest that, these young athletes, most of whom have probably been here in North America for most of their lives, that somehow they should now be, they should get sanctioned because of what's going on in their homeland, things that they have no control over. Um, but I get that, you know, look, politics and sport, um, as much as we'd maybe like to keep them apart, uh, we know history suggests that that's not the case, and and maybe that's a good thing in some ways. But we're now seeing, I guess, the power mm. of sport and how it can be utilized almost as a weapon. And and the hope is that maybe that ultimately sends a message to Russia as well, in addition to all the other messages that the world is trying to send right now. Yeah, well, I mean, to be perfectly honest, Russia's been Vladimir Putin in particular has been weaponizing sport for a very long time. Yes. When we think about what they did with the Sochi Games the systematic cheating that's been happening within yeah. Russian sport for a long time. And the joke of the fact that they've been banned from all these international competitions. And, but we let all their athletes come under 
the Russian <laughs> Olympic Committee. I mean, uh, I think those days are long gone. And I'll tell you what, I mean, there's no two organizations that have propped up despots more than the IOC and FIFA. And when uh, when they're both uh, saying that you're not welcome anymore, um, you know, we're into an entirely new area when it comes to the world and uh, and sports role in uh, trying to uphold the um, the standards that most rational human beings, um, you know, attest to. So, Huss, I love when this happens. We get some some breaking. It's not breaking news, but it's very relevant to what we're talking about. This just came across my uh, email box literally this second. A statement from the National Hockey League. Uh, it's short, so I'll read it because I'm sure your listeners will appreciate this. The National Hockey League condemns Russia's invasion of Ukraine and urges a peaceful resolution as quickly as possible. Effective immediately, we are suspending our relationships with our business partners in Russia. We are pausing our Russian language, social, and digital media sites. In addition, we are discontinuing any consideration of Russia as a location for any future competitions involving the NHL. We also remain concerned about the well-being of the players from Russia who play in the NHL on behalf of their NHL clubs and not on behalf of Russia we understand they and their families are being placed in an extremely difficult position. So that just came out from the National Hockey League. Well, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, listen, luckily for those of us that are, you know, my age and younger, we haven't really been involved in, you know, large scale wars like this. But, um, you know, it's incredible in 2022 to see the way different aspects of society, not necessarily military, um, you know, have sort of banded together. Uh, to hopefully prevent more, um, you know, innocent people from uh, from losing their lives and bottom line, getting to some sort of uh, peace first and foremost, and then uh, and then moving forward. Well, Mike, this is a great conversation. I know you got lots to do. Thanks so much for taking the time. Looking forward to your piece on that in tomorrow's Winnipeg Free Press. And uh, of course, uh, see what happens on this homestand and uh, talk to you when you hit the Big Apple. You betcha. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the week, Huss. Take care. Appreciate Thanks. it. There's Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press with an extended Monday convo on all things Winnipeg Jets and then a couple of the uh, the big stories happening in the sports world as it relates to what's happening with Russia right now. Uh, hey, a big cheers to our friends at Little Brown Jug. I don't know about you. I was in such a great mood into this onto Saturday uh, when it was actually nice outside, able to walk around. Um, had a couple Little Brown Jugs. The 1919, my all-time favorite. Uh, and it's certainly added to the weekend. If you have not tried it, what the heck are you waiting for? Pick up a 1919 next time you're out for a pint at fine restaurants and bars throughout the city, or you can pop by your local beer store. But the best spot to get 1919 and all the great Little Brown Jug beers is at Little Brown Jug on William Avenue. Pop down to the brewery and tap house. Try a couple of your own. You can pick up all the great Little Brown Jug beers there, as well as an incredible selection of merchandise. And if you're not in the neighborhood or don't want to leave the house, hit them up online at littlebrownjug.ca. They've got delivery citywide on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. And you can fill up your cart and get ordering at littlebrownjug.ca. Briar, coming up this Friday. Can't wait to get going on it. We'll be doing some special uh, Princess Auto curling reports Throughout the event, of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsor of Mike McEwen's team who are representing Manitoba at the Briar. We will have two Manitoba teams as Jason Gunlickson's team got in as well on a wild card. So Briar starting on Friday, Princess Auto, great sponsors are curling here in Manitoba. 
across the country. And of course, proud sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. You can visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations or shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. And uh, did pop in and see our friends at Boston Pizza on the weekend. Watched a little hockey after the Moose game downtown. Uh, of course, big homestand coming up. Great spot before or after the game. Go see our friend Crystal and her great staff at Boston Pizza City Place. Or if you're just looking to get together with some friends to watch the game, there's no better place than BP. Pop by your local Boston Pizza. Or if you're ordering in, check out all their great game day deals at bostonpizza.com and get it hot and fast delivered to your door. Let's get Michael Remus back in here. We've got lots to cover still from the weekend. But, uh, man, great conversation with Mike. I knew we needed a little extra time today for Mike Green because uh, between the two games on the weekend, Saturday, and a massive homestand coming up, uh, there was going to be uh, lots to uh, lots to chew on from the last 72 hours for the Winnipeg Jets. Oh, yeah. Lots of, as you said, lots of Jet stuff. I mean, you had the big loss Friday. I think players saying uh, that they don't have an identity. You had the Blake Wheeler thing um thing but saturday and then you had the comeback win and then today the big news nikolai ehlers as you said uh he's back so i'm well, sorry back skating in a non-contact jersey not quite back in the lineup but you hope that that would be soon i don't think we'll see tomorrow but you know maybe friday's game that would work i'm not sure i did enjoy um that would work that yeah. would definitely work if they could possibly yeah. get him in for that dallas game uh, sign me up for that yeah. i did enjoy mike's comments about Eric Carmi. Now, I'm not going to say there's a goaltending controversy, but I, I think that the team has definitely shown reluctance to play Eric Comrie. And you look at his numbers, and I think um, he's been solid. Um, you know, nine one four save percentage, two four seven goals against. Um, it's been a lot better than I think most people yes. here thought he was oh. going to be this season. I'll say yeah. that much. And I don't know, maybe a situation where you know you need to pull Hellbuck like maybe Friday instead of leaving him leaving him in for all those. I don't know. That, it just but I seems think like... part of the reason Dave Lowry said that their plan all along was to yeah. put Comrie oh. in on Sunday. So if that was the case, I think it maybe explains why Connor Hellebuck was in for the full 60 minutes on Friday night. Yeah, so, so I'm trying to get to some stuff. Here in chat, um, yeah, and I agree. Like, if you can't play Eric Comrie, I know it was a must-win game. But if you can't play your backup goalie, who you never play against the worst team in the league, why, why is he on on the lineup? And he's come in, and I think he's played well. And I look, he's got ten games this year, so I think he's definitely earned, uh, earned more. So uh, I see Chris Remitz says, I think you ride Comrie tomorrow. It won't won't happen. I don't think. I mean, you have Tuesday and you have Friday, so there are some days in between. But I mean, I, I think, you know, I said before, I thought they weren't going to Brossois enough last year when he was playing really well. And they are riding Hellbuck maybe a bit too much. But I mean, Hellbuck is he's a Vesna Trophy winner, so he's one of the best, best in the league. So I guess play him as much as you can, but maybe he does need a break here and there. Yeah, well, you know what? He got that break, and credit to Eric Kahn for getting it done because they needed it, and he's won three in a row, and I am, you know, I, I've got nothing but praise for the way Comrie's uh, played, especially the way he bounced back from a tough start yesterday. I mean, I'm sure there was a few people going, oh, man, you know, after those first couple of goals went in. Uh, but, man, he was huge in the third period. And, I mean, for a team that needed to be, as Nate Bull, you said, to play their most desperate period of this season, 
to come out and give up two glorious chances in the first 10 seconds was not the way they drew it up. He kept them in it. The captain tied it up and, um, you know, they took it from there, um, you know, to get a massive two points and, you know, at least keep some hope around the team and the fan base heading into this homestand coming up. Remo, one thing I do want to mention, and I was <clears throat> kind of thinking about mentioning this earlier on, but I do want to make sure we get to it. Um, if you had been thinking about going to one of the games, maybe to tomorrow night's game, but had been, oh, I'm not sure. I'll tell you what, I, I, I guarantee you that tomorrow at Canada Life Center, when the Hoosley Ukrainian Men's Choir sings that anthem, that that is going to be one of those special moments that I think a lot of people will remember for a very long time. I'm not sure if they'll be singing the Ukrainian national anthem. I'll be honest, I'm not even familiar with the Ukrainian national anthem, but I would have absolutely no issue, and I think that might be a great, great thing for the uh, huge Ukrainian community here in Winnipeg and in Manitoba, uh, many of which are big Winnipeg Jet fans to include that as well. Uh, but the bottom line is with, uh, you know, so many people, I think, really feeling helpless and trying to, you know, do whatever they can to show support for people in this unspeakable position. Um, that is going to be, it's always a moment when Hoosley sings O Canada, but tomorrow more than ever, this is going to be something. And uh, I know some people I think will be deciding to go to the game if for no other reason than to support the Ukrainian community and be there for the uh, that rendition tomorrow night. Yeah, I agree. Always emotional, always a great anthem. But I mean, tomorrow night against Montreal with what's going on, um, well done uh, by the Jets to invite uh, the Hoosley Choir to sing. And yes, I think it'll be definitely be emotional. And of course, you all condemn, you know, what's going on and, um, you know, full support uh, of Ukraine, uh, Ukraine here. Yeah, um, and you know what? I was with uh, a, a good friend that uh, is uh, one of the guys that runs the game production, and I was sort of, you know, needling him yesterday afternoon to to see whether they had uh, planned to make that happen. And he had just said that, you know, they'd certainly reached out, but, you know, on short notice to get a 30-person choir in the COVID era with a bunch of rules, wasn't sure whether it was going to come together. Uh, and then later on last night, the uh, Hoosley, uh, which you can follow on Twitter, by the way, at H-O-O-S-L-I, the uh, Hoosley Men's Choir, did tweet out that they will be doing, uh, they will be performing before the game tomorrow for the national anthem. So uh, uh, I'd suggest if there was a game that you were thinking about going to, maybe make it tomorrow night and make sure you're there early. Uh, that is going to be something I'm very much looking forward to. And I think that will be, uh, you know, a powerful moment for everybody in the building. And uh, and hopefully we've got a good game between the Winnipeg Jets and the Montreal Canadiens. So listen, I talked about this with Mike a little bit. And I know we'll get into this somewhat to more tomorrow when we're previewing the game. But where are you at on this? I mean, uh, do you think that this whole, the Shifley-Evans aftermath will be completely in the rearview mirror or... You know, do you think there will be some sort of retribution, whether it's from Evans going up and challenging Shifley and Shifley having to drop the mitts for what the second time in his NHL career, or um, will there will it be essentially forgotten because you got different coaches, so many different players, and just too far back to have any any impact on tomorrow's game? Yeah, I think it's too far. I mean, we thought last Wednesday or was it two Wednesdays ago where there was going to be stuff with Minnesota. And the Jets going, and nothing that happened. Didn't happen. That didn't happen. I don't think. I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, look, Shafley got suspended for four games. We all agree it was an excessive suspension based on, oh, uh, you know, other suspensions. 
Um, the Canadians absolutely dominated the Jets and swept them in that series. The Jets were nowhere close, uh, nor close. So I think the damage has been done. They showed it with their play. The NHL took care of it. I don't think you need to do anything. I don't know. Unless, unless maybe Jake Evans goes and fights him. Like, who's going who's gonna to fight? Like, is Brandon Dillon fighting, well, who wasn't on the team last year? Fighting someone on Montreal, like going to well, do anything or well, lottery? I don't know about that. I mean, yeah. I guess that would be a case if the Habs went out and, you know, decided that they were going to make everybody pay for it. But um, it'd be quite interesting to see if Shifley goes into the corner with a guy like Josh Anderson. And if he thinks that, you know, he feels that they need to do something. I vividly remember, and we'll revisit these these quotes tomorrow on the program, uh, George LaRock, and again, Take it for what it's worth. This is a guy that spent most of his time punching guys in the head during his National Hockey League career. Uh, but he was very clear that March 1st was a day that the Montreal Canadiens will have circled on their calendar. This is months ago. Um, and at that time, there was still a lot of vitriol and a still a lot of motion uh, around it. Um, I really don't know what to think. I'm not completely convinced there won't be anything. Uh, but I certainly don't think that that will be that'll all be everyone's thinking about when they drop the puck is what's going to happen to Mark Scheifele or how is he going to have to pay uh, the invoice from the Montreal Canadiens. But it wouldn't surprise me though, if somebody stepped up and challenged Scheifele and how he handles that, I think will be a very interesting side story to tomorrow night. If it happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens there. There is another Jets related side story with Matthew Perot. Uh, I'm assuming there's going to be a big, you know, we talk about tribute videos here. We had Mason Appleton. He just kind of got a, a wave hand. I think a big tribute video for Matthew Perot is in order. As I know he's had a tough year with injuries in our lineup, but um, you know he's been skating in a regular jersey. You know, I would think a big ovation for him uh, is is due. Right, Huss? Well, oh, oh, absolutely. Um, I think just as long as he's in in the lineup. Yeah, um, that's. I mean, question. I'm just I'm pulling up the DF uh, the daily faceoff lines right now. And you got Caulfield, Suzuki, Anderson, Gallagher, Laurent Dauphin, and Mike Hoffman, Pitlick, Evans, and Letkinen. And the fourth line right now, Cedric Paquette, Ryan Pelling, and Michael Pizzetta. Uh, and I'm just looking down here, looking to see if he's on IR. He is not. I mean, my God, they're IR. Price, Weber, Edmondson, Armia, Dvorak, Drouin, and Paul Byron. So, um, you know, Perot not even listed there right now. So I guess we'll get a little more clarity on that tomorrow. I'm not sure where he is. Uh, he has fit in. But let's just assume that he does play tomorrow. To your point, absolutely. There'll be a, uh, I would imagine, a nice tribute video and a great welcome for Matthew Perot, who was a fan favorite here and was a big, big part of a lot of success the Winnipeg Jets had while he was wearing, uh, wearing the blue here in Winnipeg. Oh, yeah, and he's one of the first, you know, maybe we're talking about your big free agent jet signings. There hasn't been any huge ones, but, I mean, Matthew Pro, he signed and then re-signed. Uh, I remember Ole Jokin was one of the first, but he played, Matthew Pro played a lot, and we talk more tomorrow, but played a lot of games with the Jets, was on some of their uh, the playoff teams. Uh, you know, what he be called it? Rick called him the human jumper cables. He could play on any line. Um, so, I mean, I really like Matthew Pro. It's, you know, they probably could use a guy like him, but oh. it seems like he's, uh, he you know, went to Montreal and the Jets were ready to move on. Yeah, and, I understand yeah. that they were ready to move on and, you know, with his age and, you know, I certainly wasn't expecting him to get re-signed and I, like many people, was expecting, you know, the, the Veselinans of the, the team to, you know, to step up and, 
you know, take that spot. And um, yeah, they uh, they really do miss Matthew Pearl. I mean, they haven't mm. had enough from their bottom six all year. Uh, they've been searching for guys to make an impact. And, you know, listen, last year wasn't a great year for Matthew Pearl. There were some long stretches where he wasn't as impactful as he's been, as he has been before. Uh, but presuming that he could even be the Matthew Pearl of last year, I think that would be an improvement from what they've been getting from uh, some of those guys. Anyways, we'll talk more about Matthew Perot tomorrow. Uh, it will be uh, it, it will be great. I, I did mention with Mike and uh, about going to the Moose game on uh, on Saturday afternoon, and um, I, I just have to say straight up, David Gustafson's ready to go. And you know, seeing the way that he played on Saturday, I know he had a big goal in the shootout yesterday, and we'll get to what everyone was talking about in the shootout in just a minute. Um, but I'm, I have a hard time thinking that if David Gustafson is head, is healthy and ready to play, um, that he wouldn't be a significant upgrade in a number of ways, including the ability to help on the PK, than at least half of the guys that are playing regular minutes right now in the bottom six. Oh, yeah. I remember the excitement when he got called up before we had our big picture ready of the Gus bus and he got injured. What, was it? Did he make it out of a period, Huss? I don't, I don't recall. No. But I know a lot of people in chat were saying, oh, he's, he's injury prone, he's band-aid. But, I mean, he played the whole season with a moose and it was fine. So, you know, injuries happen, obviously very unfortunate. And, uh, yeah, let's see him. You know, the Jets need help in their bottom six, and he's a guy you can certainly help there. Face-offs, penalty kill. Let's see him in the lineup if he's healthy. So we'll wait and see about that. Yeah, no uh, no doubt about that. So that'll all be... Uh, but we'll, been- I imagine we might get some clarity on that tomorrow. Although you would think that if Gustafson was maybe going to play, maybe he would have been skating with the team. Although it was an optional today, the moose had a day off after just playing back to back days. So that'll be something we'll pay attention tomorrow from the morning skate. Certainly if there's any roster moves, we'll hear about them tomorrow. And uh, we'll also hear from Dave Lowry and we'll have that for you on tomorrow's edition of the program. Uh, That being said, Jeff Malott, went viral yesterday, Remo. Uh, you know, I'm a big Selly guy. And uh, I always thought Blake Wheeler's celebration after the shootout in Toronto with the uh, snap the helmet, flip the helmet up and say, let's get the hell out of here was the best. But the walk-off, <laughs> the walk-off Selly by Jeff Malott with the shootout winner, not even raising his arms and going straight to the tunnel. Um was absolutely hilarious five star and uh i couldn't believe the run that it was getting on social media last night you could not listen didn't matter when you opened up a browser any hockey account and some non-hockey accounts were uh talking about the jeff malott and uh if there was ever a time to play our outro music the dirk nowitzki shut it down let's go home that was for jeff malott's shootout winner yesterday against the wolves yeah, I mean, uh, we always say act like you've been there before and the no selly walk right <laughs> off the ice, certainly that. Now, my question is, I'm pretty sure, Hus, the Moose locker room, the door to that is right behind their bench. And that is actually the visitor's, that is the visitor's gate. So did he walk through the wrong gate and have to go all the way around back to the Moose locker room? Like... I'm pretty sure, but don't the Wolves have to use that gate to go no, off the ice? No, you know what? I'm pretty sure at the end of the game, um, because one of the other things, and I yeah. should mention this, Ryan Waite, former Moose Ryan Waite was there with his son, um, Gordy, who has, uh, and I'm not sure what the condition is, but a 
a very serious uh, illness that I believe is incurable. It was a real special moment for them before the game. And then at the end of the game, the teams both took time to sort of recognize him and the family again. So they were out there on the ice. Okay. And I seem to remember the wolves going through the Zamboni side of the entrance and the moose going out the other side. But um, regardless, it does look a little different if you're used to, you know, the home team going right back into the dressing room like the Winnipeg Jets does. But uh, we're hoping to get Malad on the program. They had an off day, and I think he was running around, but we might be able to get him on on Wednesday. So uh, I'd love to talk to him about the season he's had. He still leads the Manitoba Moose in goals, but also about... uh, uh, how long it took for him to think that up and um, obviously the execution of it and the feedback that he's had because literally everybody in North American hockey was having a laugh at Jeff Malott yesterday. Yes, so, so a lot of people in chat uh, clearly watch the Moose more than I do say yes. That is in fact the uh, Moose locker room and the visiting team goes through the Zamboni uh, the Zamboni door. So uh, yeah, just score and just get right out of there. Uh, pretty, pretty awesome uh, celebration. So well... Well done, Jeff Malat. Yeah, and of course, yesterday was the Cole Perfetti bobblehead day. Uh, I believe that was Ernie that won the tickets from uh, from us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. So uh, hopefully he's got those nice Cole Perfetti bobbleheads. Uh, fun day on Saturday, the country music night. They had a great band there. I mean, I thought the game production actually was really, really good. Um, and you know what? If you're uh, if you're wondering, we might be leaning on the moose for playoff hockey. Yes, this uh, and... this year down at uh, at Canada Life Center. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, day off today, as I mentioned, for the Manitoba Moose, and hopefully we'll get Jeff Malott on the program a little bit uh, a little bit later on. But as the guys said in chat, yeah, flawlessly executed by uh, by Patrolman Pete. <laughs> hey, speaking of tickets, Remo. I meant to do this at the beginning of the program, but we should mention this right now uh, before we lose lose people right at the end of the show. Uh, we've got some ice tickets coming up. And because we want people on the podcast to be able to win them as well, we do have an opportunity to uh, enter on our contest page and the mailing list as well. And uh, we'll be giving away four tickets to the ice game on Wednesday night, as well as some opportunities for more ice tickets uh, in the next couple of weeks as the team has this game is away for the weekend and then uh, begins an extended streak of home games in the month of March next week. Yeah. So go to our website, Winnipeg and hit contest. And then here for, and we're just, it's basically going to be running. I think for the rest of the ice season, we'll be giving away tickets in groups of four at all times. So go in Toss in your email. You can get some bonus if you bonus entries if you follow us on Instagram or share the link to a friend. Um, so yeah, winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest or just go to winnipegsportstalk.com. Click on contest and we'll have ice tickets for the rest of rest of the year. So they're playing uh, Wednesday. These are for Wednesday. So we have you know two sets of four tickets. We'll be giving entry closes what Tuesday night. So you will know the day before. Uh, if you want. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. So we'll do that through tomorrow's program and uh, we'll do it a tweet, I guess, uh, you know, commemorating or announcing the winner, but uh, we'll just uh, email them to you. And uh, of course, Winnipeg Ice uh, website for tickets for the upcoming games. Uh, They did get a big shootout win yesterday. I believe it was in Swift Current as the team comes back home. Been a while since they've rocked the ice cave, uh, but should be a very busy month of March and be busy month of March for the Winnipeg Jets, which gets going tomorrow night against the Montreal Canadiens with a seven o'clock puck drop. We'll be all over tomorrow 
on uh, our uh, Tuesday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All right. Hey, I got to give a big shout out to our friends at Nick and Nikki DQ Group. Uh, Mick's been raving about the new burgers at uh, any of your local Nick and Nikki DQs. Uh, they got new patties, buns, sauces, and really improved and already underrated burger, one of the best in the fast food game. So try one of the new burgers the next time you're around the Nick and Nikki DQ. You can also try the amazing Red Velvet Cheesecake Blizzard, which uh, is going out the door with incredible frequency. Um, you've still got all the classics as well, but um, the Red Velvet, you definitely want to try that if you're around there. And of course, you can also order a cake for your upcoming event. Hit them up on Instagram at um, DQ Manitoba. They'll get your order, custom make it, and have it ready for you quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and the DQ over on St. Anne's. And hey, it is the final day of February. And if your Canadian club stock is running low, make a point to get into your local Manitoba Liquor Mart today because, of course, all February, there's been a great sale on Canadian Club, Canadian Club Original, CC 100% Rye, and the Canadian Club 12-Year Reserve. Uh, one more day to take advantage of the February savings at Manitoba Liquor Marts right now. Get in there today. Look for the Canadian Club display. And of course, join us Friday afternoon for another Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race. Getting the new shipment in, we believe, this week. Uh, and by the way, congratulations to Hootman, who uh, did come by, pick up his prize for Hootman. his big victory. Hootman, he was... Uh, he was fired up about the uh, about the the hoodie. I think he ended up coming over about a couple hours after the show. Uh, probably wore it all weekend, but uh, appreciated. It was great to meet Hootman. Your next chance to win one of our Winnipeg Sports Talk CC hoodies is next Friday afternoon. Hootman, half man, half owl, right? <laughs> yeah, I think he was more into uh, into owl into owls. To be honest with you, I know I made a few jokes about the uh, the Hootman handle. I may have been off the mark with that one, but uh, I'll, I'll just leave it with that. It was great to meet him and appreciate He's the support. A, an owl guy? Everybody. Yeah, I think so. He's a hinterland who's who. I think um, there's the owls in my uh, in my neighborhood that have been taking out uh, some neighbor, some other animals, so I might have to ask Hootman a thing or two about that. Really? Really? Well, we'll, yeah. uh, <laughs> we'll see it. Um, hey, listen, let's get to a couple of the other non-hockey stories for a minute. Um, mm -hmm. Well, listen, as far as I know, we touched on this with Mike. Uh, but Russia's basically out of everything, sporting-wise. Um, they're moving the Champions League final. F1's moved their race out of Russia. Uh, now, the uh, you know closer to home for the hockey events, the IIHF has essentially booted Russia from any event. That's going to be the under-18s. That's going to be the World Juniors. It's going to be the World Hockey Championships. I believe they were supposed to host the World, Ho uh, World Hockey Championships or World Junior coming up in the next couple of years. Those are also off the table. And uh, listen, this is these are all good moves. I certainly support them all. But as Mike mentioned, I do feel sorry for a lot of the people that are getting left behind. I mean, first and first and foremost, I feel sorry for the Ukrainians that are dealing with us in their homeland. Uh, but this has got to be a real tough situation for a guy like Evgeny Svechnikov or Mikhail Burden, who, you know, are just from there. I mean, they've played for them before. I mean, that's that's their home. Uh, but certainly they have nothing to do with what's happening. And uh, it's got to be a horrible, horrible situation for those individuals right now. And as Mike said, I'm not sure that it's fair. I mean, unless you're like Alex Ovechkin, who's been a big Putin guy the whole time and helped him promote many of the things that he's done in the past. I mean, for the rank and file, just Russian players, this is a terrible time, I'm sure, for all of them.
Yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds terrible, terrible for everyone, but I think these are definitely the right steps to take. You got to send a message and uh, yeah, they're moving. I think the world juniors next year, they are moving. We'll see about the world championships, but Russia, Russia and Belarus suspended from further no notice from the IIHF. Um, a couple other notes, the Yokrit and Dynamo Riga left the KHL, um, you know, didn't want to be associated and, but the whirling world curling federation intends to boot Russia from the upcoming championships, including the women's worlds and Prince George. And we also, I saw people in chat talking about this FIFA and UEFA suspending Russia's national team until further notice. So yeah, um, IOC executive board also recommends no participation of yeah. Russian and Belarusian athletes and officials going forward. And, uh, Pekka had it. Okay, yeah, Here, here's, this is for the World Junior. Russian, Belarus, thrown out of the IHF. Russia won't host the 23 World Juniors and World Championships. And Russian, Belarus won't play in the 22 events as well. So um, this continues to grow, but the list of international sporting organizations that have banned Russia continues to grow literally by yeah. the hour. Um, hey, speaking of international hockey, you know what today is? I do. I do know it today. I saw it all over social media. I was shocked that the IOC didn't take down uh, the video after people were posting it. <laughs> it is the anniversary of the yep. Golden Goal. 12 years to the day. Sidney Crosby with the Golden Goal on Ryan Miller and the incredible win on home ice at the 2010 Olympics. Uh, what a different world we were living in there. Everything seemed so good thinking back. Do you remember where you were? I do, I do Put remember. us in the chat. Where did you see Sidney Crosby's sure. golden goal? I'm interested to hear what people uh, remember and where they were. Yeah, I was. I might probably was wearing my Joe Sackick 02 Canada jersey that's behind me. Right now I was at a friend, oh, uh, Richards from Illegal, formerly Illegal Curve, I was at his his house, huge gathering, remember gatherings, watching the game. I remember being incredibly <laughs> nervous after USA scored. And um, yeah, they won. I remember we were all jumping up and down. They went nuts. And I was coaching a youth hockey team at that time. And I had to go coach, coach uh, the, game, the game after. Yeah, I was the one I was the one that no one took seriously. I was the, uh, what the, I was... Not the one who uh, was a serious one. You I weren't guess. the hard ass. You weren't the. You weren't the guy giving the Rashid Bailey motivational no, speech to the that, team before the uh, the squad went out to hit the ice. No, absolutely not. No, I was, <laughs> so we had uh, yeah. So I remember where we went. I didn't go to Portage in Maine or anything for that one, but uh, I was I was with a, <laughs> a group of people. Someone says no. Show it to some people in chat. Dino, a hotel room and a resort. In Cuba, so uh, shout out to Dino and Mitch says in his man cave. There you go. That is uh, great. Yeah, yeah, Dino, Dino, a hotel room, a resort in Cuba. Uh, Gregory Liverpool was at home. <clears throat> Greg, I'm sure your home was rocking that day. Kabilis watched the game with my sister and parents. Never seen them so excited about hockey until that goal happened. Um, and then, of course, big guy remembering the Jets fans chanting silver medal when Ryan Miller came to town. Shout out to my crew in 316. Never forget that chant getting going. What a great moment that was. <clears throat> I still got a couple pictures, memories on the old uh, phone today from that. I watched it down with um, a bunch of my buddies that I still have tickets with. Jay Kilgore at his bar at the time was the Red Cactus on Corden. We packed them all into the uh, back of that bar. And when the goal went in, that is a memory I will never forget. Uh, the party immediately spilt outside. 
and continued on for many, many hours. And uh, ah, hopefully we'll get back to uh, those good times. Pianki Talk Man was out at West Talk. Nicely done. Um, but I will say this. Uh, that is an incredible moment in Canadian hockey history. Uh, and both best on best competitions. I hope that they return at some point soon and more great victories. But the bottom line, you just said big gatherings like we used to have. And uh, I don't think there'll be any big whiteout street parties this year. But uh, tell you what, that memory of 2010 will always be uh, special for Canadian that, hockey fans. Our guy Adam Seaborn says highest rated event in Canadian television uh, history, 22 million uh, peak audience which is like two thirds of the country, which uh, seems insane. Like why, how they haven't figured out how to get NHL players at the Olympics. I guess they had it in 2014, but it was, I found that it, that Olympics was extremely boring to me, maybe because it was time zone or because the Canadian team was very boring, but the, the 2010 Sochi? was Oh different. yeah. So like, it was, you know, yeah. So I, I mean, we get... all have our memories of, uh, it was a very confusion corner 2015 mm -hmm. for the gold medal game, which started at 5 a.m. And that was memorable going in at this weird time and having things open and being able to sort of party and watch the game. But the game itself was like, uh, you know, watching a boa constrictor or a python just yeah. suffocate, <laughs> su suffocate an animal. I mean, it was slow. It was painful. It was merciless. And, and then it was over. And that was basically the 2014 team, the way they got it done. Yeah, I'll never, yeah, I'll never forget the, uh, I just felt they just, when they won, they didn't really seem excited. It was just like generic hockey guy interview after they <laughs> won too. It wasn't no, no excitement. So just I'll, did our job. That's my thought about the 20, <laughs> 2014. Um, do you have anything? I got a couple of things I wanted to get. I kind of wanted to bring this up, Huss, as we wind down the show. So I'm watching TSN broadcast Kyle Connor reaches the 30 goal plateau and they put up the graphic you know he reached the 30 goal mark for the fourth time in his career trailing only Ilya Kovalchuk for the most 30 goal seasons in Jets Thrashers history can we end this can we have enough I never want to see um you know the Thrashers records mentioned with the Jets it's I don't know I it's not believe you even brought it up I mean, why this is well, on you for I, I want to give pointing a it out. I want to give a shout out to hmm. Winnipeg Jets history on Twitter then. Yes. Best, who, best, yes. best account. Who put out the hmm. actual list of most Jet 30 goal seasons by a Winnipeg NHL player, Dale Howarchek hmm. leading with eight. There's Kyle Connor with four, Mark Shafley with two. Like if, you know, if the Jets, I'll say this as if the Jets, you know, the struggle to sell tickets or something and you know, people aren't showing up, they need to have, what they should do is acquire the record book of Jets 1.0, have a ceremony where they <laughs> restore them to Winnipeg, you know, Winnipeg hockey. Ceremonial burning of the Thrasher's records at center ice? Well, not, well, not a burning, but a <laughs> ceremonial acquiring of the 1.0 record. So never again do I have to hear that Ilya Kovalchuk <laughs> is the Winnipeg Jets record holder for a goal scored in a, you know, for, by rookie. I never want to hear that. Um, I think it's confusing as well for new fans that, you know, the Coyotes records are with Jets 1.0. I've, I've said this a lot, but whenever it pops up on, on the broadcast, it pisses me off. <laughs> I, I I can't disagree. I'm uh, but I I'm over that a long time ago. But that's why just why I basically look at that Winnipeg Jets uh, records page, yeah, and I refer to that. And that to me are the records when it comes. That's a great great follow. 
Um, what 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 is it again? So people can follow it, Remo. I don't know. WPG Jets stats, and they will tweet out good stuff about you know Winnipeg NHL history. I don't know why we're so hung up on franchise. I mean, the Moose don't use the Ice Caps uh, stats; they just go use the Moose 1.0, 2.0. Like, what's? I don't understand why the NHL is so hung up on. That. I actually think it would be beneficial for people who are fans of the Coyotes not to have to reference. Players who never played for them anymore. 100%. So, like, for marketing purposes. And it's just so weird to me that the Jets, you know, honor Winnipeg's hockey history, yet don't own the records. It's confusing. It doesn't make no be, sense. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be like that. Um, and speaking of history, that was probably the final game in history between Jets 1.0 and 2.0 at the famed Gila River Arena yesterday, as the Coyotes will be moving into their new quaint. 5,000 seat building next year in Tempe, Arizona. That is an absolute farce. I mean, and I'm not sure if you heard Mike Johnson talking about it on the broadcast on the weekend. Um, he said, you know, like that's all nice and it might work a little bit for them in the short term, but this is the National Hockey League. I mean, you know, for the players, the, the team that's going to be there playing in, you know, ostensibly like a small college building. Um, is just so embarrassing for the national hockey. I can't believe that they're going down this road. Uh, but I guess they're absolutely committed to trying to salvage, um, you know, an important sporting market in North America, but one that just simply hasn't, for a number of reasons, responded to the uh, the Coyotes. So if you were ever able to get out there to... Uh, I mean, an amazing spot to go to the game. I mean, all the bars and everything around it. I mean, it certainly was so much fun going there as Jets fans. And I mean, I'll never forget those first few games against Jets 1.0 after the team returned. Um, you know, thousands of Winnipeg Jet fans out at the games. And we still saw tons of snowbirds there yesterday for it. Uh, be probably a little tougher ticket to get when the team moves to Tempe in the 5,000 seat barn next year. I'm, I refuse to believe that they'll they're playing in a 5000 seat arena. I'm I don't believe that it's happening. This is my personal opinion. I think it is insane if they were to do that. I mean, this is the NHL. There are other cities that have 15,000. I think you're giving up a lot of revenue. I mean, they've been pushing the kicking the can down the road. Okay, the Cubs just need a new arena. Oh, we need another new arena in a we different need, place. Yeah. I mean, it's not working. You've probably lost a lot of, you know, potential revenue for the league. Like if you're another owner and you have to subsidize this team even more, aren't you pissed off that they're still there? Yeah, okay, you got Austin Matthews out of it, right? But I don't I don't think this has been a success at all and I don't believe they're actually going to play in a 5000 seat arena. So what? 5000? Like what's the di- what's the difference in attendance there? Um I got to do some quick math, but you're missing out like 10,000 seats a game times 40 games. Was that 4 million seats? Was that 400,000? Yeah. Sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> so what, times what, times $50 a ticket there, just as a rough one? Yeah, so boom. how much revenue are you losing out on? Sounds like a lot. Yeah, 20 million. So put him, I don't know, the Jets, so the Jets moved, they announced that in like, they kept it quiet and announced that like May 2011. Houston or KC are ready to go. I can tell you Kansas City's got that sprint center right now. They'd still be in the central division, be a great place for us to drive to games. Yeah. I would love they, to see that. They must be secretly that. working on a way to get them 
out of there, right? <laughs> you you can't seriously be like with a straight face saying, "Yeah, we're gonna." I would play. think that that would have happened already. I, mean, I think they've been secretly thinking about how the heck can we keep this team and to the point where they're having them play in a five thousand seat if, arena. It's total embarrassment if they do. And I know we kind of don't want to talk about this anymore, but the Jazz just played there. The one thing I'll say to Rob Rob Mahoney's got a great pot. ASU is the best party university in the States. 5,000 fans will be a blast there every game. I'm not, not going to make money, but it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, like I'm fully in for going to a game there. I mean, just big picture, the optics. I mean, I don't know how you pull that off, but um, anyways, that is, that, that's the end of the Coyotes mm -hmm. conversation for a while now that they're in the rear view after the Jets got the win yesterday. Um, hey, I got, quick uh, look at the cool bet lines for tonight. Very slow night in the National Hockey League. Just three games. The Canucks, after that big win on the road last night against the New York Rangers, continue their road trip to take on the New Jersey Devils. Uh, Devils minus 127 favorites. Canucks playing on the second end of back-to-backs. A plus 108 underdog, but they're playing quite well. They're now three points up on the Winnipeg Jets. Jets do have one game in hand. The Leafs are a minus 137 favorite against the Washington Capitals tonight. And the Boston Bruins, a minus 128 in L.A. to take on the Kings in Tinseltown. Uh, tomorrow, Jets Flames, or sorry, Jets Habs already on the board. Jets are a minus 200 favorite right now. Montreal plus 168. We'll talk more about that game tomorrow. And I will tell you, Arnold Palmer Invitational odds are up. Dustin Nielsen and I will hammer those away on uh, the lock shop tomorrow before Winnipeg Sports Talk. Check my Twitter feed at Hustlerama for that, or make sure you subscribe on the podcast. Uh, just search the lock shop. John Rahm is the favorite at 9-1. to one. Bryson DeChambeau is the defending champion, and DeChambeau just pulled out today. Um, he's still got some sort of injury problems with his hand. He hopes to play in the players. So he is taking off the Arnold Palmer, despite being the defending champion. And a big shout out to Sepp Straka. First win on tour yesterday. Big comeback. Got Daniel Berger. Uh, well, they passed Daniel Berger. He ended up dueling Shane Lowry at the end. He ends up winning with a birdie on 18. His first PGA Tour win. And I do know a few people out there that had 140 to 1 tickets on Sepp Straka. So, uh... Cheers to you if you managed to cash a bomb yesterday on the PGA Tour. We'll get to our picks tomorrow. And if you haven't bet at Cool Bet before, use the promo code WST on your first deposit. You'll get a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. Uh, hey, Remo, uh, but just one other thing I wanted to get to. I'm sure you may have a couple other things. Did you see this ridiculous post from Kyler Murray today? Where's Kabilis? Where's noted Arizona fan Jeff Kabilis? Is he in the chat right now? I would love to hear his thoughts on this. Um, you know, we'll move from the Coyotes, but let's go over to the Cardinals for a minute. Kyler Murray, after three years, we talked about him a couple uh, weeks ago, deleting any mention of the Cardinals off of his Instagram and unfollowing them. And today, his agent, Eric Burkhart, putting out a just a borderline bizarre, bizarre statement talking about his goal is to be the long-term quarterback for the Cardinals and to win the Super Bowl. And then, um, you know, it's just a whole bunch of things essentially negotiating in the public for a big money long-term deal. And, um, you know, between what we heard behind the scenes of Kyler Murray and now this and the way that he's behaved in the offseason, 
If I'm Arizona, I'm less convinced that he is the guy to lead us into the future now than I've ever been before, despite some pretty good results on the field. Yeah, I mean, deleting all the social media, I'm not sure about that, but then putting out this letter, which you need a magnifying glass to read. I mean, and it's extremely long. I know All they, caps, too. Is he yelling? I don't know if you're, you're not a Friends fan, but it reminds me of when Rachel handed Ross their post-breakup letter that was 18 pages uh, front and back. We're not quite there, but I mean, posting a screenshot of a letter that's written in size eight font on Twitter, how <laughs> is anyone going to read this? And like, I, I can't, I can't even see this. Am I supposed to print it out? Like you can't zoom in on stuff on Twitter. So this is completely dumb PR strategy. And yeah, and the letter is so long. Like no one's reading this. No one cares if you're just going to say, you want to be the quarterback? Just say that. Come up with a one sentence, two sentences. Horrible, horrible PR strategy from Team Kyler Murray. Not, not getting any sympathy here from me. Oh, Kabilis has uh, has chimed in. He goes, "Heck, I'll take Derek Carr now." LOL. Yeah, I, I don't know. He is. Uh, I like. Yeah, why is he so mad? I, like, they don't have a I team have around no idea. him. Now, keep in mind, he was also a very high baseball draft pick. Yeah, and many people are speculating that this is a public power play to get a long-term deal a year sooner um, and threatening to go and play baseball, which is somewhat ironic right now because those idiots running Major League Baseball are on the verge of blowing up this entire season. And it had been a long time with labor peace, but if you think back, if you're old enough like we are to remember every couple years, more BS. And there's still people that are never over. The Montreal Expos not getting a chance to play the World Series back in 94. The damage of that took years and years to overcome. There's now been more money ever in the game. And uh, if these bozos can't figure it out, it will serve all of them right. Um, but, I mean, right now, Remus, if you had to ask me, I think we're missing a number of games, potentially a couple months of this season. And, you know, if it does get to that point, there is so much vitriol between the players and the owners. You could have both sides dig in. And uh, frankly, it would serve them all right if uh, they didn't play any games, although I'd be pissed. Yeah, I'm still annoyed in 2020 when they couldn't figure out how to divvy up the money. And, you know, what's happening is the owners, you know, franchise values are going up like this and the players' salary share of the salaries hasn't really gone up at all. The average player's salary has gone down. Um, you're, seeing, you're seeing stuff like uh, service time, uh, manipulation where they, you know, keep guys who are good in the minors so they you know, keep them an extra year. But then these are like major league ready players. What else? Teams aren't trying to win. You have other teams pocketing revenue sharing, uh, revenue sharing money and not spending it and just, you know, pocketing it. I mean, there's more incentive to have a low payroll and, uh, and not win because you can still make money that way. So uh, players are all pissed off and, uh, and the owners have locked them out. I don't understand why, how you can't figure this out. Well, they haven't even tried to figure it out. They haven't gone to the bargaining table. Finally, like they have a couple last ditch efforts, but I agree. They seem, the owners seem too happy to not play April. At least I wonder if it's going to go more, but yeah, I canceled my MLB TV. Like I'm, I know I'm in been fan fantasy leagues for well, over 20 years now. Like, I don't know what's going on with those, but it's just so like frustrating as a fan, like wanting to like this league. When well, they and, clearly don't care about the players and they don't care about the fans. Yeah, and to your point about, you know, the uh, the values of the franchises have never been higher and the yes. players have never been making more money. You know what else has never been higher? The cost of going to a game. 
uh, you know, you go there, you buy a ticket and, uh, you know, the beer is 13 bucks US and, uh, you know, your hot dog's $11. I've been saying for a long time, and again, it's different from sport to sport and market to market, um, but we are getting to the point of a massive market correction when it comes to fans. Uh, and part of it is the quality of broadcasts and, you know, the ability to watch at home on beautiful big screen TVs without the cost of going to games. Uh, and then the other side of it is, you know, just how much you get bent over when you're at the majority of these games. And we have seen, we always go back to the Atlanta Falcons example, when they uh, built their new stadium, they put in like $2 drinks, hot dogs, popcorn, those sort of things, because I think they realize they do need to, you know, make it worthwhile for people to go to the games and not feel like they're getting robbed at every single turn. Uh, I don't think Major League Baseball, for the most part of that, has figured it out. And um, you know, certainly some markets will be affected more than others, but the bottom line is uh, it, everyone has a bad taste in their mouth when you've got billionaires and millionaires fighting for these massive sums on the back of the fans that have been paying the freight for years. Yeah, I agree. I'll agree with that. Has, um, you know, interesting to see what happens, but I, I do agree. I think, you know, a lot of this is on, on the owners. They're the one initiating the lockout. They're the ones who are actively not trying to win, not spending money uh, on their teams, and so well. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but it's. I mean, it's just. I don't. It's I don't joke. want to talk. It's yeah. It's it's kind of a joke that you can't just. Well, figure, we figure and this we out. have been. This is the first time. Like regular listeners will know, there has been an internal ban on baseball. I have. We have not talked about it once since they actually started the lockout. Uh, but the fact that we're right now hearing that they're going to be losing part of the season, um, as I said, I, you know, for me, it'll be good rinse. I was really excited about the Blue Jays. I was looking forward to talking about them on a daily basis and following them, especially with the fact that it looks like we'll be uh, into next season soon or potentially could be here earlier than we expected with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, but um, anyways, we'll, we'll stay on top of this, but we won't be spending too I much time uh, time on this. Yeah, I think you got to talk about it. We were excited about Blue Jays. I, I agree. but. I don't know. You kind of, I guess, talk about it because it's so ridiculous, but we won't, I don't think we'll be, it's not going to be like, remember during the lockout, it was like the hockey lockout in 2012. It was like, okay, lockout watch. We got whoever outside the spot where they're meeting. And I remember they brought up the podium. Gary Bettman's going to speak. I don't think we'll be day to day. Jets, but, Jets XOXO hanging around the yeah. hall, the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, the hotel <laughs> back there. Oh my God. What a time that was. Um, all right, listen, we got to get out of here and get these pods up. We went a little long today, but man, there was a lot to talk about. Tomorrow, of course, Jets and Habs. Don't forget, Hoosley Ukrainian Choir singing at the game. Would be a great time to get out to the game, I'll tell you that much. And of course, a massive game for the Jets taking on the Montreal Canadiens for the first time since they swept the Jets in last year's second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. A big thanks to Mike McIntyre and everyone who joined us. Uh, don't forget... If you want to win tickets to the ice game on Wednesday, go over to winnipegsportstalk.com, click on contest, enter through there, sign up for the newsletter. We'll announce a winner tomorrow night after tomorrow's show for the contest. Huge thanks to all of our sponsors, including F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club, and of course our betting friends over at Cool Bet Canada. Folks, have a great night. Enjoy the warm-up outside. 
and uh, we'll get ready to get you set for tomorrow's game between the Jets and Habs on tomorrow's edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Like and subscribe and tell a friend about WST. We'll catch you tomorrow at 1 p.m. on YouTube. We're out. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.